today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, our free phone number. Emma is looking after this morning's programme. Coming up on the show, we'll be having uh, listeners' opinions on various different topics. We'll head to Tipperary Town because it's Valentine's Day. Ali is there live for us. Uh, we have an update from the HSE's appearance at the Doyle Petitions Committee regarding St. Bridget's Hospital, the importance of hedgerows uh, during the War of Independence in Tipperary, uh, interior design with Karen Prendergast and our agony aunt Phil Prendergast. We'll also catch up with uh, Molly O'Connell, the Tipperary country music singer ahead of her appearance in the Glortira semi-finals tonight. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp. 083-311-3311 or you can email tiptoday at tipfm.com Let's have a look at what's making headlines today to the Irish Daily Mail first of all and they're telling us that farmers have warned there will be nothing short of an uprising in rural Ireland if vicious measures are applied to the agri-sector to meet net zero targets. Now it comes as senior government sources acknowledged that the suggestions contained in a report reveal one of the most politically challenging issues it faces and uh, the Mail exclusively reported on Saturday that Ireland would need to quadruple its afforestation targets, reduce the number of livestock by 30% and re-wet 90% reclaimed land if the agricultural sector is to meet uh, net zero targets. So I would imagine there will be huge reaction to that. The Irish Times telling us that data leaked from Munster Technological University during last week's cyber attack comprises vast amounts of staff and student information, including financial details there as well. Also on the Times today, a businessman owed money by a GAA star who is now under investigation for fraud has claimed that the sportsman was playing golf at a time he said he was overseas receiving cancer treatment to the Irish Independent. And a plan to cut huge NCT backlog is thrown into chaos. Uh, those plans uh, thrown into chaos as the operator is set to abandon plans to hire lower skilled staff. Now, the move by A plus uh, is anticipated after mechanics rejected proposals to bring in a new category of worker to step up inspections. Also on the Indo today, Sinn Fein did not pay a bill for election posters some of which featured Mary Lou MacDonald endorsing candidates and the poster printing company chased the party for four years to pay the bill of more than €5,000. Finally, to the Irish Examiner and uh, their uh, lead story, a fuel allowance, a lump sum, a bonus child benefit payment and a further energy rebate are to be the main elements of the government's spring cost of living package. And I'm sure a lot of people will be delighted about that. Rather worryingly, the extent of coercive control, sexual pressure and violence in young people's relationships has been laid bare in the results of an online relationship quiz published this morning. And finally, the most unusual story. A man died after he was attacked by an aggressive chicken which had only been uh, moved to his property after it had previously attacked a child. An inquest has heard. Um, Jasper Krauss, 
the man in question uh, lived in uh, Balnasloe in the County of Roscommon, was found by a tenant in a pool of blood on the floor of his home. He had a puncture wound to the back of his leg. Isn't that just an incredible story? Anyway, if you want to comment on any of that, 83 Now, yesterday... We heard that almost one in four Garda stations around the country had fewer Gardaí to tackle crime at the start of uh, this year compared to 12 months earlier, while 42 stations have no permanent Garda attached to them, six of those stations in County Tipperary. We also heard yesterday that Carrick and Shure experienced a 29% reduction in Garda numbers since 2013. Now, Patricia was uh, tuned our way and we had a huge response to this and Patricia joins me now. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning. And good to talk to you today. You were listening to the story yesterday. What are you making of this, Patricia? Um, Well, it just happened to coincide with um, our invitation to our uh, community guard to join us on an excursion, uh, which we thought would raise the profile, as it's supposed to, with community policing. And unfortunately, he's unable to come because there's just not enough guards to cover his, um, you know, work at the station. Whereas it would actually be his work to be out with us in the community. Um, You know, having always come to meetings and giving us updates along with the councillors, um, we just thought it would be a nice thing, a nice gesture, but unfortunately, he's not able to, you know. And it just coincided with the ex guard talking about the problem of retention and, you know, overload of admin work and unable to do their community policing. And so I just felt I had to mention yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the it's a community alert group you have, Patricia. Yes, yes. Yeah. And how is that functioning? How is that doing? Well, um, after COVID, obviously there was a decline, although we did keep on our meetings online. Mm. Uh, people are starting to come back to meetings, which is great. Um, and we have, we're following the senior alert scheme and the text alert, and we've installed AADs in the four national schools in our parish. So I would say the groups and the members are very active um, behind the scenes. But um, the relationship with the Gardaí obviously really, really important to a group oh, like yours. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, recently in town there was a meeting um, to inform us uh, and our crime prevention officer had, um, I think I'm not allowed to mention names, <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, had said that, um, you know, informed us about this new uh, drive for property marking, uh, residential yes. and farming. Mm. And, you know, without that sort of influence and cooperation, we would not know about these things. And as I say, our local guard always comes to our meetings, and if he can't, um, there's usually a stand stand in for him. And, you know, the local councillor comes as well. So it's a a chance for the community to, let's say, express opinions about what's happening, you know, in the area. Of course, and it's also a chance for the Gardaí to get to know the people in the area as well, which is very important, Patricia. Well, it is, and that's why we were really hoping he'd be able to come on this little excursion. It would only be a few hours, Mm. you know, even in the community area. So um, it was just disappointing, that's all, you know. Yeah. Um, with your accent, Patricia, have you lived somewhere else for, for, <laughs> for a long period of time? or? Uh, well, uh, in a nutshell, I was born in London but okay. lived in Greece all my life but came back to Ireland where my 
parents are from. Very good. And can you make some comparisons for me, Patricia, then, with that experience um, of policing in other places? Um, well, actually, I think the policing in Ireland, from what I know in rural Ireland, God, you know, on the ground, I think it's... Um, well, I think it's 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 very good. It's, mm. I would say mm. almost exceptional in the sense in a small locality. Mm. Um, if I compare to the attitudes maybe in Greece, where I live the most, I would say there's a lack of um, empathy with people on the ground. Whereas I feel that, um, you know, from my experience, obviously, that mm. here people the Gardaí get to know the people by coming to meetings. And, Very good. And that's not you know, the situation in Greece. There's nothing similar to a community alert group? No, or, nothing no, at all. Nothing like no, that. no, no, no. Um, no, there's nothing yeah. really on the ground. I mean, obviously, you know, they're there and that, but um, let's say the reputation wouldn't be as friendly. <laughs> yes. I think they're armed as well, are they? They are, yeah. yes. That's yeah. another let's say, bone of contention, maybe, but, um, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you mean by, when you say that, a bone of contention? Oh, um, well, I lived there a long time, and um, I was involved in voluntary groups and that as well there, but I actually have seen sort of police aggression on the ground right. with students, you know. Um, I'm not saying they use their arms, but... They certainly used their force. Right, so it was, force. was intimidating in some way. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, and intimidating to watch and not be able to do anything, yeah. Right, so I presume, the, the because it's often spoken about here, the notion of arming the guardie, it's not something you would be for then, I guess, with, with your experience and what you've seen, Patricia. Um, yes and no. I think there's obviously a need to have a squad that is armed, that can go out and tackle, you know, mm. uh, situations. But yes. on the ground, every day, walking around, I don't know that it would be such a good idea, but I'd say the Gardaí are best in position to say whether that would be correct or not. But well, that's I don't true. know. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, even they're looking for some, some pretty basic stuff, like the, yeah. the, the body cameras and the like, and they're denied that even at the moment, which is which is such a pity. Uh, Patricia, it was really good to, to talk to you today. We wish you well with your community alert group. Thank you very much. Thank you, and thank you for talking to me. Bye-bye thank to you, you. now. That's uh, Patricia speaking to us this morning. How do you feel about that? 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is uh, 83 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie All right, it is Valentine's Day. Let's go out and about. And our own Alison is in Tipperary Town for us today. Ali, good morning to you. 
Hi, Fran. Good morning. Yeah, we're here in Tipperary Town on Valentine's Day. Of course, the most romantic Valentine's Day of the year, of course. So happy Valentine's to you, Francis. And many really happy returns there. to you, Ali, as well. <laughs> but sure, look, we were thinking, where else would should you be on Valentine's Day? But, you know, the heart of it all, which is a flower shop. And I'm delighted to be here in Patty's Flower Shop on 5 David Street in Tipperary Town. And Anne Hadnett is here with me. And I can't imagine the work that goes into Valentine's Day. But is it a day that you love? Yeah, I love of all the holidays. I think Valentine's is my favourite. Um, over Christmas and Mother's Day, there's a great buzz around the town, having everyone come into the shop, and you know, great to have a little life around the place. And just tell us the work, because as you know, there, there isn't a lot of um, preparation that you can do because they're fresh flowers. So it's very much kind of last minute. So would you have been here very early this morning, very late last night? Yeah, late night last night. We uh, it's a last minute project because it's fresh, so all our flowers that only have come in in the last few days, they all have to be conditioned, put into water, and then we can only start making our bouquets, kind of at the last minute because we don't want anything sitting around, you know. Yeah. So it's a very last minute job. Yeah, fresh product is a bit of high pressure. You can't order too little. You have to have enough for your customers, but you don't want to have too much either. <laughs> and is it still roses? Are roses the thing? Roses are big, yeah, but uh, we're seeing more that people like a mixed bunch, a little bit of everything. Lilies and roses are very popular. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when it comes to trends then for flowers, are we seeing different kind of trends and, and the popularity of flowers coming back or dying away? Not in the gift bouquets, but definitely, like, you'll always have trends at weddings more so, but you'd have, in the shop, you'd have your core stock all the time, lilies and roses and your croissants, your carnations, um, hydrangeas, those kind of things yeah. be really popular all the time. Can I ask, what is the trend for weddings? Um, well, last year it was a lot of green uh, bridesmaids dresses, so we had a lot of green and white and pink weddings. Um, so I've not seen any huge trends this year so far. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. I remember when I was in school and you'd have a lot of the lads coming in from, we'll say, from secondary school and they'd be coming in to buy their single red roses. Would you still have that going on? No, actually, that's Aww. the one thing that um, we were only talking about yesterday. We used to have like a bucket made up and you'd have loads of lads coming in from school. But no, we don't really get that anymore. No, it's pity. <laughs> it is. They need to cop on now. The younger lads need to bring the romance back in a small bit. The, the, our regular customers are very romantic. We have to say they come out every year. We've great support locally. And I find um, that, you know, we've great customers in tip and they're great to support our local shops. Yeah. When it comes to Valentine's Day, then, would you have the fellas coming in at like 10 to 5 saying, whatever you have, give me anything? Um, look, I suppose they're working all day, you know, they can only... That's no excuse, Anne. <laughs> we'll be diplomatic about it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's, I suppose it is a Tuesday, so it's hard to, to get into the shop. So we'll have a few later on for, for the stragglers. For the last minute. <laughs> would it be good to order coming up to Valentine's? Um, some will. <laughs> I know by your face you're lying to me. Um, I know, they're good in fairness, and we, we've a regular, so we know they'll always be on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you ever have any women coming in to buy flowers for their other half? For men like? No, actually. No, we've had no female customer now, I have yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Well, it's our day, isn't it? Yeah, we've had a few, though, that order for themselves and get the, the men to come in <laughs> and buy them. <laughs> you were telling me before we came on, you'd know the difference between Mother's Day and Valentine's Day because mothers tend to order the flowers for Mother's Day, so there's a lot more organisation, so you know what you're dealing with. Yeah. You don't have the people coming in last minute. I suppose 
a lot of, you know, most men are probably living with the woman that they're bringing the flowers to. So they're heading home, or, you know, whereas you're not living with mammy, you're probably sending them. We'd have a lot more deliveries from Mother's Day. A lot of people overseas and yeah. they're sending flowers home because they can't be with mam. So that's really nice. And it's lovely to deliver those and yeah. bring a smile to people, you know. And the delivery aspect of it wouldn't have been huge, but say 10 and 20 years ago, but that's a huge part of the business now. Yeah, well, it's still, no, it's always been, especially yeah. for Mother's Day and even for occasions, delivery is a huge part of our, our business. Like, and yeah. because we offer same day delivery, so, like, if you order online in places, you know, it'll be the next day, whereas a lot of people would ring us that morning and we can get the flowers, you know, for that birthday or whatever, that occasion, we can get it to them that day. How many bouquets would you estimate that you've done up or will get out the door today? Oh, I don't know, too many. <laughs> I'm feeling it now, ready to ready to have a rest this evening. Yeah. yeah. But, but are you happy to see that kind of roses are, are coming away from it and it's more the bouquets? That must make life a bit easier for you, does it? Um, not necessarily, because when you had the roses, well, I suppose years ago you just sold thousands of roses, it was all roses, but now it's mixed. Yeah. I do think myself it's nice to get a mix and have, because some of the flowers will last longer than others, so you kind of get more time out of them then, you know, and you could split them up and put them in different rooms yeah. of the house. But, you know, romance is romance, and you can't, when you see the dozen roses done off, it is beautiful. Yeah. But then maybe the, the female in us would think, oh, what's he after doing now when you see the roses oh, no. coming? I never think that of any of my customers. They're all fantastic and they're great to all their women. <laughs> Do you think flowers will always be kind of the number one gift for Valentine's Day? Do you see that lacking or, or dying down at all at all? Um, I hope not. And I, I think it's great to have like your local florist. You know, we do know our product and we're very careful in how we buy and what we get in and how we look after our flowers. And we do really care. It breaks my heart sometimes in supermarkets, the way they're treated. Um, so, you know, we do put a lot of care and attention into it. And there's a lot of training involved in becoming a florist. So it's not, you know, how to treat each flower is different and how to condition it and look after it. So, yeah, you know, hopefully people will see that and they'll see the presentation and how nice it is. And we yeah. last another another few years. <laughs> and it's about rolling with the trends too. Like I see the door wreaths as well that you have. Like they're so popular in the last couple of years as well. Yeah, they were huge there during COVID, I think, as well, because people were decorating their house and it was nice, you know, so it was an extra yeah. thing. So um, they've slowed down a bit now. But I suppose once you have an artificial one, you can yeah. keep bringing it out every year. So that's great as well. like yeah. And freshen it up. And Fran, uh, Patty's here as well, even though she's too shy to talk to us this morning. <laughs> oh, too busy, too busy. Too busy. But just yeah. to, to give a good nod to her as well, because they're actually here. They they estimate about 40 years now, Patty. Is that right? Yeah, appro approaching 40 years here on uh, 5 Davis Street in Tipperary Town. So we wish them all the best. Oh, hang on. Come on, Patty. I can't talk because I'm getting slower. I have to keep going. going. <laughs> She's so busy getting all those bouquets ready. So oh, if the men way. are looking for the last minute bouquet to pick up, they can get one here at Patty's. Very good. Indeed. What is this all about men, though, Ali? I mean, you know, you, you've assigned Friend, this as a women's day but, for some reason. Will you just give us one day? We just want one day. That's all we want, where you haven't give us you, flowers and tell us we're special. the other 300? 64 for God's sake. <laughs> we don't feel special those days, friend. <laughs> this is our Sally. special day. Thanks, Thanks Sally. Friend. Thank you. Bye-bye, Jenna. -bye, that's our queen of romance there. Ali out and about for us uh, today in Tipperary Town. She is at Patty's Flower Shop there in the town if you want to go and say hello to her. But she will come to us uh, just after 10 o'clock as well from another part of uh, Tipperary Town and it is Valentine's Day. And uh, if you want to say a uh, Hello to a special someone. Sure, why not use our, our text or WhatsApp 083 311 3311.
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now this there wants us to remember that uh, today is the anniversary of the Stardust uh, disaster. 42 years ago today, this is one of our listeners. Is it 42 years? My God. Uh, I was in Dublin on the, on the night of it. Uh, dreadful, dreadful tragedy and we haven't heard... Um, the end of it yet, really, in an awful lot of ways. Uh, Tom was on to us from Templemore, and uh, he was talking about uh, the lack of Gardaí. He said it's unfortunate uh, that it's also true of Templemore. The Gardaí numbers are down almost 40% in the previous four years, it says here, and he says the Commissioner appears to be more interested in filling Garda stations with civilian staff and it says here that's causing more bureaucracy for regular guards. I would have thought that that would have been helpful that at least if civilian staff could have looked after the admin, the guardie might be able to spend more time out on the streets. Um, OK, and this person says, very lucky if there's a Garda in Templemore to attend a call. And um, OK, and it goes on to give us some more information there. That's Tom in Templemore uh, today. Now, we have an update from the HSE Area Management's appearance at the Doyle's uh, Petitions Committee regarding St. Bridget's. District Hospital and Sinn Féin activist Dean McGrath is with me now. Good morning to you, Dean. Good morning, Fran. Good morning to your listeners. And I'm really glad that uh, one of your listeners texted in to remember the 48 uh, people that never came home in the Stardust. Uh, oh, very personal thing. I've met the families in, in Dublin previously. Did you? And, uh, yeah. I did, and they're still fighting for justice and they're the most dignified families you could ever come come across. So thanks for thanks for that. Uh, no, no, well, know. it's one of, one of our listeners uh, deserves the credit for that, so well done. Um, Dean, where do we even start with this? There was an attempt, was there not, to justify the closure of St. Bridget's. Yeah, I, I suppose it, there was, just for your for your listeners, obviously we had um, an update. The HSE area management appeared before the petitions committee. And just, I'd, I'd like to say very clearly, for the 11,000 people that signed our petition, this was the first time that we've seen them be accountable for the closure of the unit, mm. to answer questions, to sweat. There absolutely was there. They came to set out their stall that, they were going to justify all these different points of why the hospital has to close. We, as I said, look, it's chaired by Martin Brown. We had Jackie Cattle and Matthew McGrath, who both came and both asked very pertinent questions to the area management about the closure of St. Bridget. Like, we broke it down into about nine points where it just didn't add up for us. It still doesn't add up for us. And what it has confirmed is that there was no evidence base to the decision actually close the hospital. This was done on an opinion from the HSE management. It was a HSE decision without any evidence based, without right. any and, report. And can we go through some of those points, of Dean? For, for yeah. example, they cited infection control worries as one of, one of the reasons. What do you make of that? They, they did. Um, I, I suppose, look, Gerard Crockwell would have asked uh, Kate Colleen White, look, you're citing infection control as, as a major issue. Have you any statistics or any figures in relation to outbreaks of any disease, whether that be MRSA, you know, pre-COVID or whatever, to validate the claim. They had no figures. They said they'd get they'd get the figures for us. They could absolutely get that um, because they said the issue with infection control predated even COVID. So it was an issue. Well, all, already, so they say. But they didn't provide any statistics, any facts to say that there was infection control outbreaks and 
Um, again, locally, you can talk to the people that work in the hospital. There was mm. never massive outbreaks in St. Bridget's. So, but but um, e- so. even if that was to be the case, uh, Dean, why did they designate it then as a COVID step-down? Certainly, friend, and that brings us on to point two, and that really is the, the madness of it. On one hand, they're saying there was such infection control worries that this hospital is unsafe and people have to be cl- it has to be closed to keep patients safe. But they designated it as a COVID step-down facility for people who were suffering from COVID in case Southgate General Hospital became overwhelmed. So I would think that would reg- be regarded as if they had all these worries and they still designated it as a COVID step-down. I think that's very negligent and it would be very, I'd be very concerned if I was the one or two patients who were admitted in there to know that they had all these concerns. Of course, it just doesn't make sense. The the concerns are a fabrication. They're in terms of how we're, if we want to go at it, like any of these issues could have been, you know, remedied via refurbishment in our our view. And we asked the HSE management because we wanted to be fair to them at the time. They were asked about the cost. How much would a refurbishment cost? Mm. They never costed us. Now, that had to be asked four times. Twice by Jackie Cattle, once by Martin Brown, and a final time by Martin Brown to get a no. They they never costed it at all? No, they never costed the works to refurbish. Never, ever cost. There was no costings done. They said we didn't even get to the point of costing it because it was obvious that it just wasn't viable. So we said, how could you come to the decision that it wasn't viable? We didn't even get to the... So you said that economically it didn't make sense because that was told to us before. But how could it have... You can't say that without an evidence base to back that up, you know? Um, and point four is they were they highlighted structural... They, they highlighted kind of structural issues. Mm. Oh, the building, the age of the building was referenced and it's just too old and X, Y and Z and corridors and infection control. Obviously, we made the point that the HSE are breaking their own regulations because there was because of the. If you went in as one of my friends was in South Tip General on a trolley, there was barely three foot to get up and down a particular corridor because there was people on one side and another, and that's no fault of the staff. But to say that they are worried about the structural issues in the hallway when they're breaking their own regulations in their centres of excellence, it's a little bit rich for us. Um, Tell me about the flood plane excuse because I was really they, intrigued with this. They, they, look, b- bottom line is in terms of structural issues with a building, to evidence that and evidence that there, we, we asked for an estates report, which is the HSE internal estate that manages all the buildings, or an engineer's report or an architectural report. It was confirmed that that was never commissioned, that was never done, and such a report doesn't exist. So to qualify their statements, in terms of structural stuff, they would ha- I would think that an evidence base would need to be, we got this report and it said X and it highlighted Y. That didn't happen. In terms of the floodplain, the floodplain, they said because it's built on a floodplain, the, if there was any extension, the uncosted extension to be built to the hospital, that it would have to be raised. And I'm, I'm querying now, I think it was a foot, but it could have possibly been a metre because the, the new hospital was raised a metre, or the new primary care centre. And they said it just wouldn't work because you'd have a new extension and the cost it would be to marry the old St. Bridget's to the, new, to the level of a new extension would just not work. Now, in terms of the cost and wheelchair access and stuff like that, they highlighted all of that, but again, no report to... 
And, and does flooding does flooding happen in that area? It hasn't happened in 200 years. Um, and they built the bloody primary care centre on the same flood plain. So I wonder, you know, uh, how much of an issue that was. And again, that was a question that was raised. Has it ever flooded? Do you have records of a flooded? And it was completely skirted over, you know? Um, like, we, we're at a situation where we're looking at a hospital that seems to have been closed via opinion of the HSE. Now, we're trying to get minutes of a meeting uh, to, to determine what was actually said. That was requested by Jackie Gall, you know, Matthew McGrath, um, I think Pat Buckley, who's the, who was talking about Owen Nakora in Middleton, who the tactics used by the HSE are remarkably similar. But it would really um, worry us even just to say, we'd say about the ongoing process. They were asked about the 90,000, of course. Look, you know, Fran, um, in terms of the community of Carrick mm. and the surrounding areas, they fundraise massively for they the did. hospital. Yeah. You yeah. know, and fund, and there's still 90,000 euros in an account. Where? So that was, Where is that? That was asked. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they said that oh, currently with the 90,000 euros, it's an ongoing process and people might be looking for refunds or this, that and the other. We said, what is the process? Well, it's just an ongoing process. We didn't get any clarity about what exact process that, that they're going through to either return the money to the community or procure something else for use of those funds. Because those funds were fundraised solely for the upkeep of St. Bridget's Hospital. They're the property of the community. And they're just floating in Never Neverland somewhere, according to the HSE management, unfortunately. Um, I suppose a big point as well, point eight, would be um, certain ministers would have used the term not fit for purpose. Mm. Um, HSE would have used the term not fit for purpose. That is an opinion. That is an opinion that the HSE has come to. And when we've asked them, where does that come in? Where is that evidence for it being not fit for any purpose or not fit for patient habitation? They point to a 2018 HICRA report. The 2018 HICRA report, of course, sorted the building for another four to four, three to four years. It never said not fit for purpose. That is not terminology used by HICRA. The HICRA report highlighted certain challenges in respect of access um, and capacity in the wards, which could have been remedied by downgrading maybe taking one bed out of the old four-bedded wards, making it a three-bed ward. Um, absolutely. And the fire, the fire safety stuff that was highlighted, that we have a 2019 report that has said that the general, um, the general provision of fire safety and the implementation of staff was quite a, of quite a good standard, but highlighted the need that all staff need to be trained in fire safety and evacuation efforts. Right. There, were some, there were some things that were highlighted. So... But not there was no mention purpose. of not fit for purpose, you're saying? No, it's not. Or, or like There was obviously some things where they were partially non-compliant, but that was highlighted as well in the committee where we said, these are jobs, and it's to look at it and say, these are jobs that can be done. These are refurbishment works that have to be done to make them. So what they also recommended, this is what you need to do to make them compliant. But it would never said not fit for purpose. But I mean, I would have the... seen that in reports for other hospitals, much newer hospitals, saying that aspects of the hospital service sure. was not, not, not uh, compliant. So that's, that's a common enough thing from HICWA, and you would do something about it. It is, absolutely. And a, a good example of that, Fran, would be um, where members of my own family passed away in palliative care would have been in St. Teresa's and Clahine, yeah. where there were issues raised and there was funding, um, when there was, where there was funding a ring fence and applied to the building. Mm. Um, mm. So, yeah, look, it's kind of a whistle-stop tour and I appreciate it's technical, but the entire scale of this is just quite worrying because 
we're at a situation now where a district hospital was closed via the HSE's opinion and there doesn't appear to be any evidence base It was that they could justify. If you thought of a service like the likes of St. Priest's, that if you thought of what that means to a community, it's the exact same for Carrick and Shore. The HSCD, I don't think, did anywhere near the due diligence Diligence. I think they were looking to close it and centralise the services. Right. And, and I think they used COVID as not. Well, and I was just going to say that to you. Did that come up in the discussion at all? The Because an awful lot of people would look at this and say, yeah, that's what happened. COVID was used. Did that Did that emerge? It did. It did. And I suppose it was disagreed with by the HSE area management, which I look, that's... that's Kate Colleen White had a job to do. She was there. The estate person had a job to do. They were there to give the HSE line. They did that. Um, again, we need more information because I think this highlights a much broader issue because from talking to great people I've met, like, like we'd say Councillor Kieran Burke and Fianna Fáil and Carrick, like Sean, like Shawnee Powers, a Fine Gael councillor in the Cumbers, like we'd had Kathleen Function into the committee, we had mm. Matty into the committee. Everyone was kind of saying the same thing, more or less. There was a few dissenting voices, but the majority of people were like, is defending the indefensible. How did you do this? Whatever. Like they, they also made a point about the palliative care because mm. that's so emotional. Mm. And for people to be able to die with dignity yeah. in their local community is absolutely huge. Bar getting, you know, public transport to St. Teresa's is more or less non-existent. And if you're going down, if you're going to Waterford, obviously the public transport is a bit better. But for people that don't have transport, you're taking two connected buses. Um, we're at a situation where we're looking at it that... If they can use this logic to close St. Bridget's, every other district hospital of a certain age that is under the 24 to 25 viability bed, which is what they say, a unit has to be 24 or 25 beds to be viable from a staffing issue. They told us that, not just in St. Bridget's, they told us that when we were speaking about St. Michael's, when the reintroduction of beds, it has to be 24 or 25 beds. If they can close St. Bridget's on an opinion, and this isn't to scaremonger, this would this should send a warning signal to every other district hospital in the country well, that I'm is not, under 24. I'm not sure bits. if you heard our discussion yesterday about St. Patrick's in Cashel, which we were oh, always I assured did. there was money yeah. ring-fenced for and there was going to be a 60-bed unit and all that seems to be sort of up there in the yeah. air somewhere as well. You know, Where do you go from here, I suppose, is the question, Dean. What, what happens now? Yeah, um, for us, it's about getting more information. They... They were very helpful in many ways because they they really showed us that what we were saying all along was that this there's no way that there's reports to back up what they're saying. Mm. There's no way there's an evidence base to report what, what they're saying. They didn't have that. They still don't have that. We want to see where these decisions were made now. So we're asking for minutes from management meetings. What was said? Was there minutes? Where were these decisions made? Where did they come to? And what evidence did these people bring to the meetings in order to close this hospital? We've right. been given a massive boost if you've been following the cycle of the NINA and UHL. They are putting services back slowly. Of course, the ambulances have rolled back into NINA. We were told that that would never happen mm. since, the, since it was downgraded in 2009. At this particular point, we can see people on trolleys in Waterford and in Kilkenny and in South Tip General, if there ever was a point where we are saying this makes sense, it's right now. And the people of Carrick, the people of the surrounding areas, the people of the three counties, 
know exactly what we're talking about. What What are the powers of the uh, committee, uh, the petitions committee? I mean, can can they demand the minutes of those meetings, the documentation on the meetings? The, the HSE, so they asked for those and the HSE agreed to oblige. So yes, they can. so I would imagine that if the, it just doesn't stack up, the HSE may be available for another round of questioning because this is new information they've provided. So we can get answers that we haven't, from them, we haven't been able to get via the FOI process, unfortunately, because a lot of the stuff didn't exist. Um, and they, they confirmed that to us last week. But we want to, see, we want to put a, a really strong emphasis on the accountability. And when we consider all the information, we decide our next step. But this has been a massive, um, it has been a massive uh, win in many ways because we've got them to be accountable. That was what, at the very base, we wanted people to be accountable for the people who died in Carrick, for the people that loved that hospital. We got the HSE management to answer the question. And that wasn't us. That was the 11,000 people that signed the petition. That's a huge win. We need to push forward and put them under pressure. All right, Dean. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on with us uh, today and uh, good to talk to you. Thank you. Good morning to you. And thank you, Frank. Mind yourself. That's Sinn Féin activist uh, Dean McGrath speaking to us there about uh, the HSE area management's appearance at the Doyle uh, Petitions Committee regarding St. Bridget's uh, District Hospital. 1800-938-007. That text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Now, Barbara was in touch with us uh, recently and she joins me now. Barbara, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Barbara, and lovely to talk to you uh, today. You are you concerned that people are giving out about doctors and hospitals and stuff? Yes, I am, because you know, like, it's not the doctors or the nurses or the staff. It is the HSC and it is the government. Mm. Now, I've seen it. This has gone on since 2018. And then COVID came in and they blamed, the, you know, COVID. Mm. But it seems to be happening in the U- UHL hospitals. Mm. Now, I've seen it with my own eyes. Do you know what I mean? What, what have you seen, Barbara? Um, I was in hospital at Christmas and um, I didn't recognise any of the doctors. There was only two doctors and I was shocked. One in ICU and one one downstairs. So the doctor from ICU had to come down to see me. Mm. There was only four Irish people working there. Now, they really, really looked after me. Um, you know, protected me because of my condition. But I did not recognise anybody. Right, but None what, of the doctors or the nurses. But was there enough the, staff there? No. No. Okay, so no. there was a shortage of staff. Yeah. Because I presume if you're, guys, if you're sick, it doesn't matter whether they're Irish staff or whoever, you know? No, but what I'm saying is, you know, there's a lot of foreign people coming over for jobs mm-hmm. because um, they're paid a lot less. Right. Well, we, we, you see, we're delighted to have them, Barbara, because we can't keep our own people here. That once yeah, they but our train, own people are going abroad. Yes, they are. Yeah, and that's a huge problem. Yeah, and it's it's horrible that they have to go abroad. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then, you know, like people giving out about their doctors and you know stuff like that. Yeah, you you think that uh, the anger should be directed at the government and the HSE? It is should. That it? Yeah. And, yeah, it should. Because they're the ones to blame. They're like 
the way I call it, you know, the three wise monkeys. Yeah. They but they're not the wise monkeys. Right, they hear no they're evil, see cl- no evil, is that it? Yeah. 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 And that's what the government and the HSC are like. I mean, Stephen Downey, he'll promise this and that. It's like with the Children's Hospital in Dublin. Mm. It's still not done. Yeah. Do you, do you think and he's... A, is he an effective uh, health minister, do you think? I think he's absolutely useless. Do you? I really, really do. Yeah. I really, really do. Yeah, well, even with the reshuffle, they, I mean, he kept the portfolio. They, they left him in place. But maybe nobody else wants it, Barbara. Yeah, I mean, I just think for hospitals, they need more security. Yeah. Definitely, they need more security. Yeah. And what happened, that poor old man in court. Oh, she wasn't a terrible, terrible. It was absolutely, yeah. But as I said, um, I was looked after. My heart went out to the nurses and the doctors. Mm. Yeah. They yeah. did their best. Do you know what I mean? But the conditions that they're working under is just... I know. It's, oh my God. I It was like, the way I looked at it myself, it was like being in a third world, you know? seen people crammed up. Yeah. yeah it's, now it's, this, yeah, the last time I was in the hospital, like for a serious thing, was 2018. Mm. And it was, it's actually, it's worse now than it was in 2018. And, you know, it's incredible. So you're, you're telling me that with all the talk about everything, that there's no improvement as far as you can there's see no at all. If anything, no, things no are worse, I suppose. It's actually got worse. I mean, they blame the COVID and everything. Mm. That's the excuse of the HS, the old COVID. Mm. And it's the same with St. Bridget's, you know, they're doing blame it on COVID. Mm. That is a disgrace that that hospital is not being opened. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely a disgrace. And using the flooding when it hasn't been flooded in 200 years. They just seem to have an excuse for everything. And it all, I mean, and it's ordinary people then that, that have to suffer, suffering, you know, which, and, which yeah, is the and thing, it's, you know. It's absolutely horrible. How, I mean, uh, something has to be done. Now, what do you think could be done, Barbara, as far as you're concerned? What should be done? I think the Irish people should stand up and fight for their hospitals and their rights. Do you think we're too slow to do that? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think people are scared as well, you know what I mean? If they go up and there's a big protest. It can be a peaceful protest. Yeah. You don't have to get angry, you know, to you know, to speak out. But you know, the they should send every one of them, you know, and look at the hospitals. What about your own health, you know, Barbara? How how are you at the moment? Oh, I'm perfect, but mm. I actually got the fright in my life. I was never as sick. I had the flu as well. I mean, I was sick since October. Mm. I was on, actually, when you count, I was on 13 lots of antibiotics and 6 lots of steroids. And that's counting the one, the 5 lots of Christmas. Wow. Yeah, I had a salivary gland infection. Right. Then I got, yeah, then I got a, a tract infection. Then I got the flu. Then I got in, uh, two other chest infections. All one then after the other. Then I got sinusitis. Yeah, then I got sinusitis. But with the, when I stopped breathing and when I woke up, you know, in recess, I got a terrible fright. But how do you mean you stopped breathing? Oh, I took, um, 
I took a fit and my jaws locked. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I'm a fighter, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And but you... only for the hospital and my next-door neighbour and my partner, I wouldn't be here. Good God, that must have been so So I want to say thank you for them, yeah, but my jaws are still a bit sore because, you know, my teeth, like, I must have bit on my teeth or something. And what caused that? I actually, you know, the air purifiers, I yeah. had that on okay. and I had the roast potatoes in the air fryer with the garlic and the rosemary and it was my first time doing them. Right. And I normally wrap the lead around, you know, the thing for catching road or to stop rodents in your house. Sure, yeah. I normally wrap the lead around that, but I didn't. I wasn't mm. thinking. Mm. And I had my slippers on that had no back on them. That got caught in the wire, and I banged, tripped over it and banged my head on a concrete wall. Oh, my God. And then my partner said, I just stood there, and then I went and fell again. See, anybody that has, you know, like chronic asthma or any lung, mm. you know, the slightest bang or anything like that. Yeah, of course. Of course, we'll trigger. And the fact that yeah. I wasn't well, yeah. But, I mean, I'm really, really feeling great now. Yeah, but you, you were well looked after anyway, Barbara, which is oh, amazing. Oh, very. I mean, I was treated, the way I can only describe it, like a princess. Yeah. That's the way I was treated. And I thanked them so much. Well, they say that once you get into the system, it's 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 great and you're well looked after. But it's if you're waiting in A and E um, that you could be there for so long. I know. I had a friend which I'm not going to mention, mm. um, down in Cork, mm. eighteen hours, wow. and she had a fractured ankle. Oh, stop! Yeah, so and she, she was, was in pain. For painkillers, yeah. yeah, and they said um, we cannot give you anything until you see a doctor. My God. Well, Barbara, you make your points very well and thank you so much indeed for coming on with me uh, today and we wish you well health-wise as well. That's Barbara speaking to us uh, today. Now, we've been speaking about uh, uh, the Gardaí and the numbers and all of that, but uh, interesting piece by Sean O'Driscoll in the Daily Mail today where he says that young people don't want to join the Gardaí because they don't want mobile phone cameras shoved in their faces by hostile people. Now that's according to the Deputy General Secretary of the Association of Garda Sergeants and Inspectors. Uh, a Garda career is simply not attractive to young people anymore, uh, Roland Clare said, adding that the profession is now over-regulated. And he said young people are seeing Gardaí having mobile phones put in their faces all over social media and seeing assaults on Gardaí. Young people are seeing these pictures and saying, no, that's not for me. And he said recruitment is a big issue now. You know the numbers in Templemore uh, have been very low in the last number of years and COVID is a big issue. The reality is that Gardaí are finding it difficult to attract young people into the force at the moment. And he said that the level of pay on offer is an issue, but there are other problems as well. And that uh, plays into an awful lot of what we heard yesterday when we were discussing this. Keep your calls coming into us 1800 938 The text and WhatsApp is 083 311 Fran, it makes no difference whether the government is good or bad. They're only there for big pensions, it says here. And uh, it just uh, should be shaken up a bit, says uh, Kay to us today. Um, okay, lots more coming into us as well, and I'll wade through it and I'll bring it to you in the next hour. News and information is coming up. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip today. Noreen Kennedy is in Richmond, Indiana, and she says, Fran, would you wish my hubby... Uh, Joey, a very happy Valentine's and a 42nd wedding anniversary today. We married the day after the Stardust fire and uh, we remember those last and their families every year. It's shocking that uh, no resolution has been reached as yet for all the beautiful young people who never came home. As I said, that's Noreen in Richmond in Nina today. Thank you for that uh, lovely message, uh, Noreen, and we wish you and uh, Joey the very, very best and happy anniversary to you. All right, it being Valentine's Day, Ali is out and about for his early round today. She was in Tipperary Town at Patty's Flower Shop. Let's find out where she is now. Ali, good morning to you. Good morning, Frania. We're continuing our tour of love here in Tipperary Town this morning. We're just across the road from Patty's Flower Shop and we're in O'Sugar Coffee and Bakehouse and starting to get busy now this morning and I'm delighted to be joined by a couple of staff here, including Rosie Roberts, um, who's proprietor of O'Sugar Coffee and Bakehouse. Rosie, happy Valentine's Day, first of all. Thank you, and to all the lovely listeners as well. It's going to be a fabulous day today. Very busy. Tell me what kind of things uh, now I see, like your, your display cabinet is chocka full of beautiful tempting items and a real valentine's day theme about them today tell us what you've changed today we do we have gone all out everything is red and pink and super pretty we've got lovely boxes gift boxes to take away as well today so we have yeah we've gone all out we've been working hard to decorate some lovely cakes um for customers today so tell us about some of the ones you have the red velvet now that's the the real obvious valentine's day one isn't it absolutely everyone loves red velvet um my mom is the baker here she is an incredible um and she's got lots of lovely homemade goodies today so we have red velvets we've got beautiful little cupcakes red velvet cookies as well we have cheesecake, uh, heart-shaped scones, everything that you can think of. So, But I love you have the big da- jammy dodgers as well. That's we a great do. One. They have gone down an absolute treat. Everyone loves the jammy dodgers. Uh, yeah. We actually only have a couple of left. They've been scooped up this morning, but uh, we do still have a couple. So, Tell me about Valentine's Day then. I know, you know, cakes and buns maybe wouldn't have been what you'd think of to go to for a Valentine's Day gift, but it's really starting to open a market now, isn't it? They're becoming really popular. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're kind of looking at different ways, different gifts nowadays. You know, something a little bit different and you can't go wrong with cake. Everyone loves a bit of cake. Um, so, yeah, we, we seem to be much busier. Um, you know, we've got lots of gift boxes going out. You can kind of pick and choose what you'd like. Um, you know, your partner's favourite cake. So, yeah, no, it's, it's really, really great. And Sarah Stouse is here as well. She's a barista here at um, All Sugar. Sarah, would you see many couples coming in now, Valentine's? 
Valentine's Day, maybe for a romantic coffee at 11, maybe? <laughs> we do, we do. We have lots of couples coming in. Usually they come in after school round, for example, in the morning or around lunchtime for a little lunch date. Um, especially today, we're expected to be really busy and then probably after school when the whole family comes in with the kids as well for a family treat together on Valentine's Day where everybody loves each other. <laughs> Can I ask you two beautiful ladies, is there a Valentine's Day for you? To, or will there be a significant other celebrating? Yes. So, well, we both have lovely dogs and we have partners on the side. <laughs> you mentioned the dogs first. <laughs> the dogs are our babies where, um, because we are, we're dog friendly here as well. So make sure to bring your doggies in, get a little Valentine's treat for your dog as well. Um, but yeah, definitely. No, we both have wonderful boyfriends and uh, yeah, it's good. Go to on, give them a shout out there, Rose. And say hello to Mike. Hi, Mike. <laughs> Good man, Mike. What about you, Sarah? Hello, Donal. I love you lots. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you later. <laughs> uh, don't forget the flowers, Donal. Don't forget the flowers. <laughs> would you have then, um, in terms of the couples coming in, because a lot of people would say now romance is dead, but you're behind the counter now and you can maybe snoop a little bit and see. Would you think romance is dead? Absolutely not. We have lots of lovely young couples. They come in for their pancake dates, you know, they get their treats at the weekends. And it's so lovely. It's really yeah. lovely to see. So, What about yourself? Do you think romance is still alive and well? I think so, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, it's nice. Like, I've been going out with my boyfriend for nearly four years now. And we still go on dates and it's always lovely. And a place like this is a great place to come yeah. to, you know. if it's, it's a little bit more casual, but really, like, this cafe here is really cosy, really friendly. So it's great to just relax. And, yeah. and the date thing is very important, isn't it? And we'd all be maybe a bit guilty, especially during COVID, because we didn't have the opportunity maybe to go on dates. But... What kind of things would you like to do on a date? What, what do Irish women do on dates? What do Irish women do? <laughs> I, well, I I wish I would love to go on more dates. Hint, hint, Mike. What would be your perfect date now, Rosie? For Valentine's Day, what's your perfect date? Um, my perfect date is just to relax. I spend all my time, all my time goes into this cafe. So, um, yeah, just being able to get out and just to relax. We love going to the cinema. We always go to the cinema, so that's really lovely. Um, but anything, like we love going just for drive. Even just to drive somewhere, you know, it's just so lovely and refreshing. So, yeah, taking out the dog for a walk together, going somewhere nice, especially around Tip Town. There's loads of lovely walks at the Galtees and the Glen of Aherlow, and just spending time together, going out and about, spending time, yeah, spending time together as if we haven't done that enough during lockdown. And since it is Valentine's, what's the most romantic thing that you've ever done or has been done for you? Put me on the spot now, Rosie. Put me on the spot. I don't know. I did get a lovely present though last night. I'm being treated to a square weekend and I actually just can't wait. So he has really and utterly spoiled me. That's the way to a woman's heart cake and a spa day. Yeah, that's it. A good good food and relax. That's all I want. And a good night's sleep. What about Donal? Has he ever done anything majorly romantic? Not majorly romantic, but I'm a huge fan of the little gestures. So this morning I got a coffee in bed and like a little good morning kiss before I headed off to work early. So the little thing. Good man, Donal. Every day is Valentine's Day with Donal. (laughs) That's great. And now I know Rosie as well. You're just after celebrating one year here as well today. Or not today, but last week, I think. Congratulations. 
Thank you so much. No, I am super proud. I have an incredible team who've helped me get this far. So, yeah, we are open a year and we hope to be open many more years. So lots of plans. So please watch this space. It's been a tough time. I mean, to open a business and, and to keep it going and to have the lovely atmosphere and the vibe that you do here. I mean, it must have been very difficult, the time that you've set up. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, I set up uh, towards the end of lockdown, you know, um, it was obviously a very different time. But so, yeah, I am really proud that I've got through the first year and it's been tough. And obviously with the climate at the moment or the, you know, prices rising. Um, electricity rates, especially around the cafe, you know, with the coffee machine and the refrigerators and everything, you know, it's... Yeah, so. staff issues then as well and, and trying to keep everyone happy and paid and keep the bills paid that must be a lot of pressure for you definitely as a small business anyway um obviously because there's not a lot of help out there like our regulars we have some amazing regulars who keep us you know uh, in business every day and yeah we can't thank them enough for keeping us busy and it means i can have my incredible team of staff and just keep open and have a lovely place to come in tip town and we're delighted to be here it's a lovely place to be and if you're around davis street in tipperary town certainly give a, a a call in but can i ask you something just before we finish up because fran raised a point when i was over in Patty's and he was giving out that women claim Valentine's Day as a women's day and I said well we deserve a day where we're you know kind of spoiled and loved so what do you think should it be kind of a, a, an equal way or should it just be a woman's day oh that is a tough question <laughs> no definitely I think it's nice to treat the women I mean yeah we do we deserve a day we work hard all year we deserve a good day <laughs> absolutely but um, I suppose yeah it's nice to I don't know like my boyfriend gets spoiled all the time so <laughs> they're very lucky to have us all the men in our lives aren't they absolutely. oh for god's sake <laughs> <laughs> so there you are, Fran, from a loved-up tip town here in O'Sugar Coffee and Bakehouse. That's uh, brilliant. Just, yeah. just, just our day. That's all it is. It's just your day. Yes, you've taken over. I, I love the comments that, you know, what, what is the lady looking forward to? And it's a good night's sleep. The, the romance of it all, Ali. Good, yeah. <laughs> a good utility room and a good night's sleep. That's all For any sure. Irish woman wants. All right. Look after yourself, Ali. My thanks uh, to everybody thanks, there at O'Sugar Bakehouse in uh, Tipperary Town. And it sounds like a fun place to be uh, for sure 1800-938-007 if you want to talk to us on this Valentine's Day you can text and WhatsApp 083-311-3311 Happy Valentine's Day to Jim and Margaret O'Donnell and to Vassy Grad my boyfriend and that comes in from Grania. lots of loved up people around the county we'll take a break back with more tip today in just a moment Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067-24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Oh, there's a row brewing in here for sure. Um, and I think I may have started it uh, because this notion that, that women have taken over Valentine's Day, that it seems to be just a day where women are pampered. I mean, where is that written? Where is that written? I, you know, anyway, Teresa is with me. Teresa, good morning to you. 
Good morning, friend, and happy Valentine's Day to all the men in Tipeee. Uh, well, well said, Teresa. Well <laughs> said, indeed. But is it the case, Teresa, that, that women have sort of taken over the day for themselves? And, you know, it's... A... Um, I don't think so. I think, think, I suppose, maybe as you get older, mature relationships to younger, to married, it kind of changes over the years. Mm. I have to say, I mean, <laughs> thanks be to God I'm gone from the married side and I'm tell you one thing, I'm in a damn good relationship well, and I'm proud of it. I'm delighted he to hear is it. a gentleman. I'm delighted to hear it. And and were you nicely treated this morning for, for Valentine's and were you looking Actually, no, friend, not this morning because weekday week we were both working and we're both mm. doing our own thing. Yeah. But Look, last weekend was beautiful. I did get a fantastic card in the post this morning, which I wasn't expecting. And I thought it was lovely, as well as getting spiled rotten last week. Fantastic. But then again, I kind of spiled him too, so it went both ways. And rightly so too. And of course, you make a great point. A lot of people use last weekend to celebrate Valentine's because yeah. this is a weekday and, and that kind of thing as well, yeah. And what do you mean? Do you think it all changes as the years go on, Teresa? It does, friend. Um, I have to say, and I'll be straight out and honest, if I got a Valentine's card when I was married, I'd say there'd be something wrong. I'd actually check to see what I all right <laughs> myself. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> you know, I, I can yeah. say they kind of go out the door and they weren't even there to go out the door, basically. Yeah. So, so after a um, while it gets sort of lax, is that what you're saying? Yeah. It gets yeah. lax. Dated, I suppose it's been well just because I parted ways it doesn't mean maybe they all do but it's just my way oh, yeah. um, as years went on then I think you grow up a little bit you get more mature what Valentine's meant as a teenager is definitely different as an adult and as one of the mature ladies I'll say um, it's totally different you don't look ahead in the respect I suppose as a teenager I got a card I want me flowers I want dinner mm-hmm. you kind of do things differently you know Yeah, we were talking to Lorna yesterday she is a life coach and she was talking about the comparisons that particularly as suppose young young women uh, make, you know, if they see somebody else getting the 12 red roses into work and they don't get it and, you know, they say all this stuff up online as well. It can, it can be difficult for people. It can be. And I mean, you've also got to take to the situation, say, where a person isn't in a relationship. And I mean, yeah. it, you've got to think of them as well. But I think let's, to tell someone you love them doesn't always mean that you have to have a card, you have to have roses. It can be a thought done for you, something simple. You know, it can be someone doing something at home, cooking a dinner. It's different, you know, it mm. changes. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a very good point indeed. And do you think that there's too much made of it in that, you know, I mean, romance, I suppose, shouldn't be just for one day of the year if you are in a relationship? I'll agree, friend. Um, well, I won't say there's too much made because I think no matter what I say, but men and women deserve to be recognised on Valentine's Day mm. because definitely it's love both ways. It's not just one or the other. Now, that's me as an adult, I suppose I didn't see that as a teenager, put it that way. Um, I see a different outlook on it now. I mean, to me, the card is special. I wasn't expecting it. But what was done for the weekend was beautiful. Time out. Time to relax the two of you together. And 
as I say, a home-cooked meal sitting down watching a movie. It was simple. It was nice. It was different. But then again, I'm at that age that I like that. And I thought, you know what I mean? Mm. To go to the effort to go and buy a box of chocolates or something simple, you know? Of course, yeah. And did you say to me at the top, Teresa, you feel sorry for people who maybe don't have somebody, uh, particularly on this day? use the word sorry maybe in the wrong context there mm. but I say don't ever think that you're not loved either mm. you know mm. I mean to be honest I mean I I, my son will get on to me and he'll say ma'am I love you my daughter will do the same that's perfect you know that's mm. love it isn't, you know, I mean, you love your mother, you love your father. I mean, this day you can tell anyone you love them once you mean it nicely and kindly. It doesn't have to be, you know, bought with flowers or things like that. I think it's a day of love no matter what it is. Do you know, that's a lovely thing to say. That's a lovely thing to say. So it that, that broadens it out completely, Teresa, yeah. It does, because, I mean, you don't have to be in a, as I say, a relationship to tell someone, look, at love the bones of you as a friend, as a, you know, because, mm. I mean, there is good men and women friends there and have done a lot. Mm. The word love can be so divided, and that's why I like it, because it can be used. I mean, we often say, thanks be to God, love you. You know, that's sort of way you sign off all the time. But I think that's what's the most important part, just to say it. doesn't mean whether you're in a relationship or not. Do you know, Teresa, we have to make sure to talk to you every single Valentine's Day because you're... <laughs> You're a rock of sense as well as everything else. I'm delighted that life is good to you, Teresa, and thank you so much for coming on with me today. And can I just say to my other half, Pat, thanks for everything you do for me. It was very much appreciated, and it's very much appreciated all my life. So I'm going to give him credit where credit is due. Yeah, well, that's lovely. Teresa, you look after yourself, and happy Valentine's Day to you. And the same to you all, friend. Well, bye. Thank you, and bye-bye to you now. Now, my producer, Emma, is with me in studio. Emma, good morning to good you. Good morning, friend. We sort of coaxed you into studio today. You did. Yeah. And <laughs> you don't mind talking to us about being single on Valentine's Day, Emma, do you? Not at all. I mean, look, a few messages have come in this morning uh, from our listeners that it's just another day of the year, mm. and it's not a big deal. Right. So, we, like, a lot of people go all the way out for a big day, and it's... It is what it is. Do you know right. what I mean? I don't mind it. It doesn't Do bother not? me. No. Right. And There's wh- just another day in here. You know what, what about I mean? what, what Lorna was saying yesterday? You know, the comparisons that are made. You might see, you know, up on social media where people yeah. are being, you know, showered with flowers and chocolates. and all. Does that does that bother you at all? Though? Not in the slightest. And like, I mean, if you're sensitive to things online... Mm then you kind of need to work on that yourself and do all the work for that if that's making you insecure or unhappy. I mean, I'd be happy for someone else if they were posting them. If I were getting them, I wouldn't be posting them now. That would just be me. But I do think like there's a lot of pressure on social media and young people because everything is done online. And we've talked about dating apps from time to time. Yeah. And it, it can yeah. be hard to put yourself out there. And I came up with, with Lorna, who was speaking to us about this yesterday. That sort of comparison, there's such an amount of pressure where that's concerned, you know? There's a lot of pressure, especially, like, when you are single, you have to put yourself, like, you're under the impression that, oh, I have to put myself out there, I have to put my best self online. Mm. And I know we've talked about Love Island and all these glamorous-looking mm. men and women and putting your profile out there can be quite scary. Mm. And I've talked about this with my friends who are also single and, you know, going on the apps and, like, you know, if you're writing to someone and they're not replying and then you're kind of just like, oh, I've 
kind of put myself out there and then it's I'm not getting anything back and rejected in, in some I'm way I'm getting yeah. rejected yeah. and like I mean it's easy for people to say oh just go up to him on a night out but it doesn't always happen especially with our generation as you know Fran yeah. we're always slagging each other I about know. the age right? I know because yeah. <laughs> back years ago there wasn't Tinder there wasn't Bumble and you could just go up to people and talk to them it was just you know right but you can't do that now well, you can, way, can you? but it just doesn't really happen right but, I mean, look, it is what it is. I just think we're all glued to our phones yeah. in this generation. So, Do you think it's as romantic nowadays as it used to be, though? Um, I do and I don't. Like, mm. I do see with my friends. One of my friends actually got a teddy bear and chocolates last night from her partner. So, right. I mean, it's still there. But then I know other couples who are like, oh, sure, look, it's another day. Like, mm. it's not a big deal. We don't celebrate it. We don't do anything for it. So, I mean, it kind of just depends on the couple. And I know I was slagging Ellie about it, but I was kind of slagging with half serious as well. I mean, women have managed to sort of, you know, overtake uh, Valentine's Day as their day. Yeah, I you wouldn't see a lad now like, you know, you wouldn't be like, oh, it's our day. Yeah. You know, or I want to get something for myself. It's always the guy that's doing all the... I know, all the... Spendies, all the hard work, all the, the organisation, yeah. the cars, the teddy bears, you know. And if he gets it wrong, there will be sort of, you know, well, all, I think all if, picture and no sound for a few weeks or something. Well, then that girl is a diva. Okay. And she's high maintenance. Now, that's just me. Right. I mean, you, you know... You, I you're think, not high maintenance. I am not high maintenance. <laughs> I think, like, if you get a card even, like, I think it's 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 thoughtful gestures that count. Oh, God, I sound so mushy here now. Oh, but, like, oh. but I just think, like, why... Like, some women just put so much pressure on their partners mm. to get them gifts. And I'm it's just, why? Right. You know, for the sake of one day. Right. And is that common that they would put a lot of pressure on for a big spend and a big... You'd see it online and you'd kind of be looking at like certain pages or even influencers and you can see, oh, they're after getting like this Michael Kors bag now and, you know, they're a going on... Bag? A Michael Kors bag. Okay, that's or they're going deal. to Paris for the weekend, you know, and it's like, well, okay, you don't, you don't need to splash that. Do you know right. what I mean? It's like almost saying, oh, my partner is better than yours. Right. Uh, give me, give me a, an idea. How much does a Michael Kors bag cost like 300 quid maybe more or it depends it could be 180 150 wow. depends on the website or where you get it from oh my yeah. god yeah, All it's right. a lot of money but in the past when you were in a relationship or relationships I mean were, were you treated like like royalty like a princess <laughs> and... I did get flowers um, one Valentine's Day and chocolates so that oh. was nice okay. I wasn't expecting it because you know it was, it was still a pretty new relationship but it was nice to get the gesture right. and to be thought and how, how did you feel when you got them though um, it was actually kind of funny because it was during lockdown and we were sitting in the sitting room working from home. So this parcel like arrives at the door and I'm just there going, what the hell? Like, And then it just opened the card and it was for me and I was, my housemate actually filmed it and it was just so funny. We were just all laughing. I just got a fright, not a fright, but like a good fright. And I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. Now, it was nice to be thought of. Right. But I mean, would I go off asking for them? No, but I mean, it was nice just right. to have... To be yeah, thought of. but I mean, like, you, you you felt good about it. I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anyone that gets flowers, you're going to feel good, like. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Thomas was on to us today, and I get the impression from Thomas. I mean, he made up a card that says, "I hate Valentine's mm. Day." I mean, how do you feel about the day itself? Is it is it valid? Is it? Uh... I just woke up this morning and I was like. I'm going into work. It's just another normal day. I right. mean, sure, we didn't really talk much about it this morning. No, not really. 
You know, I just think, yeah, you're going to see a few things online. And like, to be honest, what's kind of good is the marketing from companies. Ah, It's great, right? Because you'll have all the clothing websites, because they're all about the girls and the gals and the Mm. galantines is another thing. So like hotel breaks, clothes, handbags, makeup specials. This is brilliant because single people or people in relationships are going to be like, oh, I'm going to buy that because there's a code to get money off stuff. And do you know what? It's, it's kind of like Christmas. It's all marketing. So marketing. And all yeah. deals. And uh, you alluded to, to Galentine's. Yeah. I, I didn't hear about that until yesterday. Yeah, it's a thing. So the 13th yeah. of Feb is Galentine's Day where, where what, you appreciate your girlfriends, is that Yeah. Yeah, and you spend time with them. I've seen a few girls online now on TikToks and they're posting like they do like little bits of baking they'll make a cake they'll watch like fluffy movies god I sound like a real girl here now not that I did anything for Galentine's Day I didn't but I mean they might go off on a spree or like even at the weekend that just passed they might have a hotel break Galentine's just go out with the girls yeah yeah. it is a thing in the last couple of years it is a thing we'll have to have Palentine's Day (laughs) fellas going off to the the bars. That would be like a bromance day. <laughs> oh, should they, they they would love that because they'd never well, they get would, out of the yeah. pub. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. All right. So what do you want to say to singles out there today then, Emma? Um, I think if you're stressing out about one day, there's no point. I yeah. mean, I have friends that worry that they're never going to find someone or find someone to date. And I just think everything will come to you at the right moment. Yeah. And not stress, especially if you're young. It does, actually doesn't even matter if you're younger in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and you're trying to put yourself back out there. Every time you get a no or a rejection, you're getting closer to someone that wants to be with you. Oh, well, that's very positive, Emma. Yeah. This is a whole different side of you I'm, I'm, I'm listening I to. I just, I just, you pick it up, like, I've been using dating apps and, like, you just, like, whatever, like, one person comes into your life and then they might walk out the door and that opens the door for someone else. And I would say that to someone who is, that might not be feeling good about themselves today, then, you know, you just got to be positive and not think about it because when you're not looking for it, it'll come to you. Isn't that fantastic? Well done, you. <laughs> and I didn't even give you time to prepare this, so well done. Totally. You, All right. So if anybody wants to talk to uh, Auntie Emma with uh, and look for some advice today, she's at the far end of the phone. Send me all your love dilemmas. Nine three eight double seven. Well, Catherine already sends all her love and says, uh, "Good girl, Emma. All the very, very best." Ah. So there you are. All right. Thanks for that, Emma. Back in a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. TIP FM's TIP Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, I'm delighted to have our interior designer and project manager, Karen Prendergast, with me in studio. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning, friend and the listeners. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, all sorts of stuff like decking and stuff at the moment. But, but did you want to sort of add to what Emma I was did, saying yeah, there about Valentine's? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I was sitting outside and I was kind of getting a little bit emotional about it, you know, and, th- and, and listening coming in in the car and... Mm. The whole lot and all the hype about Valentine's and, you know, she's right in a sense that it's a lot of marketing and whatever. But I remember some years ago I was in hospital and I was very, very, very sick. And uh, I was in and out of hospital for about a year and a half before I was able to have my uh, operation. I had two cysts in my pancreas. 
and um, it was touch and go whether they would be able to take them any, anyway and whatever. But I remember John saying at one stage, if only I could get her out of the hospital to have a cup of coffee, just to sit and have a cup of coffee. Just something so simple. Something so simple. So sometimes days like today, they're overhyped. People who aren't with somebody or people who aren't, haven't got the situation that we're reading on the papers and listening to on, you know, we're getting all aspects of it today uh, with yourselves, but it's only a day. Mm. And it doesn't really matter in the whole scheme of things. Yeah, and uh, do, do you, you're younger than me. I have to point out, Karen. But do, do, do you find Not that, that much, friend? Do you find that nowadays the the comparison that is there with social media? You know, oh look at look at what she got and look at what what he. Yeah, gave and I her. suppose that that's happening every day. You see, uh, you know, as Ellie's saying, hand, handbags and clothes, and or handbags and clothes, and this has this person has this and that and this care and the other thing and whatever, but. I think it's all about being happy with yourself too. Yeah. Being happy with yourself and not being happy with your lot, but life life is just so fast at the moment and everything is so fast and all the handbags and all all of these meals out and the whole lot, they're just things. Mm, yeah, at the I end know. of the day, they're just things. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't want some things, of course, of course, but yeah. things come and go, friend, you know? They do, they, but all these influencers are out there now and they're telling people what they should be buying and yeah. wearing I'll, and eating. I'll tell you, I was at uh, Skull Cormac for a practice for a confirmation on... Friday. Mm. It was the most beautiful practice. It was a mess. The most beautiful practice. And if you were hit with those kind of things, you wouldn't be long seen. Mm. That's go comic and cash. What, yeah. what love is. Yeah, yeah. When you go over there and you see all the staff, the choir, the parents, the grandparents, the SNAs, the teachers, everybody over there and all the pupils that are there, you know, you that's mm. real love. That, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Mm. So as as I was sitting outside, I was thinking, imagine all the people today, and to not to be too soft about it, but imagine all the people today that are waiting on a hospital appointment mm. or waiting on um, something that would mean an awful lot to them in their lives. So mm. it's just not about things. Love comes from lots and lots of different places. Of course it does. And it plays into a lot of your work, I suppose, in a lot of ways, in that, you know, people's home is very important. I mean, uh, to them, and it's not even that it needs to be hugely expensively uh, furnished or designed. But you know, you know what? I think I went to a house yesterday, and they want to, the bedroom is thirty years old, and they want a wet room now instead of the, the bedroom, mm. which is fine. But they also want to keep the bed, mm. so the bed is going into another room, and it's going to be just a bed on its own, and eventually that room can be turned into whatever room they want. But that's mm. what that's what that house wanted. Yeah. So if that's what that house wanted. It's it's very easy to make that happen, yeah. and it mightn't be your everyday um, happening in a bedroom. But if that's what they want and that's what they need, that's what I can give them. So it's about listening. It's about understanding. It's it, when I go into people's houses, it's funny, friend. You know, I go in first and say, "Oh, is it you?" And I say, "Yeah." And they say, I say, "Why? What were you expecting? You're expecting someone much older because <laughs> your voice on the radio. Now I am old. <laughs> your voice on the radio. You don't look like yourself." Oh, and I say, good. "Oh, is that good or bad?" No, it's good. <laughs> yeah. What they say to me is, "I thought you were. You'd be much fatter." <laughs> <laughs> they don't think I'd be much older and they say older, Brad, you know. So yeah. it's amazing. But like, I yeah. think it, my work is very personalised and it's very listen to the clients, give them what they want. And of course, yeah. a budget and all that comes into it. But it, it, I kind of, it is a compassionate job in a sense. Of course it is. Is it a bit of a privilege, Karen, yes. for, for people to ask you to help them with their home? It is. And no matter whose house I go into, 
I never, ever, ever mention it. Mm. I never tell anyone. I am my my uh, job. My husband doesn't know. I don't tell anybody's whose house I'm in mm. or what I'm doing. Now a job could go on for a long time, and the people of the house might tell somebody, but it's not my business to talk about anybody else's business. Mm. So it's quite personal as well. But I think I, as a person, I lend myself to that job. Yes, because if somebody gives you access to their home. They're, they're opening up their lives to you. Of course they are. They, they trust yeah. you and they need to be sure that any tradesmen that I'm sending on or bringing on to them that they that I know who they are and I trust them as well. So there is a lot of trust involved and often, to be honest, friend, I go in and I am an interior designer and I do a job as the interior designer but I absolutely get their life story over and over yes, again. Yeah. And often, maybe they discuss things with me that they mightn't discuss with a family member because that family member is very close to them and sometimes they just open up. I think you're that kind of person, though. I, yeah. I, I am, to be honest, that kind of person. I get told that all the time. It's easy to tell me things. Yeah, yeah, very good. Me too. I end up talking after gigs to people and yeah. they tell you the most, you know, private stuff, which is, as you, as I was saying, is a privilege to hear. Um, you're going to talk to us today about decking and patio areas and that kind of thing because there we dream about summer and good weather. Oh, and, well, and you know what? I was, at the, I was there on Saturday and saying, what am I going What lo- topic will I have on, on Tuesday with yourselves so I could hear an odd lawnmower going, I could hear fences mm. going up and the whole lot and I thought the weather was good now, today isn't a great day to be talking about taking but we do have to think about mm. it and as you said to me when I came in the door, decks can be a pain in the... Yeah I don't have it and it's mainly because I'm useless at DIY and I realise that if you want to keep it well Karen there's a lot of work in it. There's a lot of work in it. I have my deck now and again not to talk about my deck but just as an instance I can talk about my deck. My deck is down two years and my deck gets painted every September and every March. Wow. That's two coats of paint once a year but two coats in the year and before and I'm going to go through the process so if I don't paint that twice a year now my deck is covered in outside Mm. as well so it's fairly away from the elements if I don't paint that twice a year it's going to go on me Right. So there is a lot of maintenance in a deck. And when you say painted you're talking about sanding it down going the whole hog. So there's a product that's on available now that so before when I had my old my other house and I had the deck I used to power wash it because mm. I didn't know any better big mistake don't power wash the deck okay there's a cleaner available that comes in a gallon or two gallon and um, you put it on with a brush you leave okay. it on for a few minutes and you wash it off with a hose does a great job you don't need to power wash because by power washing your deck you're going to take the lumps and the paint and the whole lot off and then you're going to be left with um, in parts of it different coats paint maybe two on one three on another or whatever and you're never going to coat it up properly so if you have a newish deck and you're starting from scratch wash it with the deck cleaner that is available Mm. as I said I use it myself I put it on myself I leave it for a few minutes I wash it with a soft brush and I hose it lightly off Okay. So no power washing. That does work. Also, um, there's lots of colours out there now, friend. I'll just h- hold you up the colour chart to see. So you see all these colours now that a deck can be painted. Oh, I see. Loads of colours. So it's not just the traditional It's not just, dark we'll colour, say, the, cedar wood and, yeah. you know, black and mahogany and all mm. that. There's lots of different ones that are available as well. So that's good. Mm-hmm. That there's choices there. So which means that your deck, if it's off straight off the house and you're walking onto it, no longer needs to be really dark. It can almost become part of the house. Now, you know, I'm always talking about that mm-hmm. to have it light and bright and airy. Um, so then there's two types of decking. Mm-hmm. We have the composite decking, which is really popular in the last few years. And then we have our standard wooden decking. Mm. Composite that, is what now, isn't it? 
Yeah, I suppose it's kind of a, it's a plastic makeup, okay. you know. Like, like um, a PVC type. Like a PVC thing. type, yeah. yeah, and it has a grain on it, so... Um, and no upkeep on that? No upkeep whatsoever. So outside my door, I have the timber decking that I have painted kind of a stony colour. Mm-hmm. It's great. So it flows from my floor, because I'm in a very small house, flows from my inside floor to my outside, so it makes the kitchen look very big. Mm. That up on the shed, I have a lovely shed, and um, the decking on that, I have grey composite decking on it. Now, it all blends in, colours are great, right? But I find it quite slippy when I'm going on the walkway, Do in you? the door, wow. in the winter when it's icy. Okay. So if it rains and it freezes, which it does, mm. um, up until about 12 o'clock in the day till it thaws out, it's it's quite slippy. Right. As opposed to the timber. As opposed to the timber okay. that isn't slippy. Right. So it's important to keep that in mind. It's important it? to keep that in mind. Now, the, the timber decking, although all products, all materials are gone up, the timber decking is a much cheaper option, mm. much, much cheaper than the composite. But the composite, you have no upkeep with. Mm. And the timber decking you do. So you have to keep take right. that into account But you as well. still have to wash the composite. So what with, I would normally them. do is I put on my wellies and I just get my hose, light hose and a brush and I just hose it and brush it down and it comes up absolutely perfect. Okay. No drying off, no anything, just I put right. on the wellies because, you know, it splashes back up. And my composite decking is quite small area compared to my wood decking, but my wood decking is covered in. So it's safe from the elements. But the composite is right. really easy to wash and keep. So if you were to come into my house and I said, I want decking, what would you advise me? I suppose you no know, no more than any job I'm doing, like I'm talking about that bathroom revamp yesterday, I'd ask you and anybody in the house how you expect to use the decking mm. area, what times of the year you expect to use it. Mm. Do you need to walk on it to get through to another area in the wintertime? Mm. If you do, then the, you know, the mm. might be a problem slipping. So I'd have to go through exactly the fine details of the house and how you're going to use the deck to come to a decision with you on right. what type of decking to put down. And also, I suppose, keep in mind that somebody like me, I'd be useless at DIY, so the upkeep of timber would... Well, you know, and I'm in the lucky position that my brother's a painter, so I'd say to Paul twice a year, any chance you'd book me in for, you know, mm. next month or whatever. Right. And okay. my de- my painting of my decking, because I'd have it washed and dried, and he'd come and it would take him probably a half day to paint it. So if I was to be thinking about painting it myself no more than yourself, friend, I wouldn't be able to do it. Okay, right. I was wondering, did you take on no, the job yourself? No, I didn't, but I'd wash, dry it, and I always wash the composite one, but um, my brother Paul would do the painting for me. But if it was down to me to have to bend down to do the painting or to put the roller on a, a broomstick, we'll say, or, to pa- or an extension to paint it, I wouldn't do it. All right, very good. What about fencing then, Karen? What What should we look at there? Now, I just put up a fence. Uh, I didn't put up a fence. John put up a fence over the weekend. So, again, you're looking at a fence that comes, that is treated, okay? Mm-hmm. That the structure that you're putting the fence onto is correct and is at the right height for the fence that you're putting up. And, again, with the fencing, you have just to be so careful about the wind that the wind won't get it mm. and that it's upheld right. Again, for fencing, there's so many colours available. Mm. So if you have a fence in around your house or you're trying to cover in your house that you have a decking area that you want to cover in and you want to sit out and I mean, it can almost be like an interior of a house now. Yes. But I would say if you're getting fencing and it's timber, you need to get the best fence that you can 
afford. I don't mean the most expensive fence, but mm. a, be, a good fence that's treated well and that you'll have to treat it at least once a year. Okay. So there's a really big upkeep in that. Now, then you can get PVC fencing, you can get metal fencing. It is absolutely gorgeous and looks well. Mm. But if it's metal, it'll need a certain amount of upkeep. If it's PVC, it won't. But again, you're talking about the difference in the price between the timber fencing or the timber decking and then the PVC fencing or the decking. So the price to start with far outweighs the timber, but the longevity of it will be there. Now... I would have gone with the PVC decking straight outside my front door. Mm. But as luck would have it, they hadn't the colour that I wanted. And being an interior designer, I wanted, of course. you know, a certain yes. colour and the whole lot. And I couldn't paint the P- I could paint the PVC, but it would be stupid to buy mm. PVC decking and paint it. So that's why I was beckoned by the timber one. But now there is more colours available. But remember, if you buy a PVC fence or decking, you are stuck with that colour forever. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. Now, that wouldn't bother me. Mm. But it, somebody like me it yeah, would, or it somebody would, yeah. who would change the colour of the deck or the fence or whatever, or did want the opportunity to change it down the road, you're not going to go painting the composite. Right, OK. Is it a special kind of paint, by the way, when you're painting decking? Um, and again, yeah. I'm thinking of, of it being slippy in some way. Yeah, there is. So there, there's, there's, you know, I have a chart here. Um, if, if anybody's looking for any information on anything to do with decking or fencing and paint or anything, if they, think, if they text me, I'll answer them back. Mm. Absolutely yes. no problem and help them out. But there is an anti-slip one available and the anti-slip one is available in, what have we, seven colours there, okay. friend. So, yes, there is... Um, an anti-slip decking stain available. Now, very interesting also, if somebody has a deck that's in rag, rag order yes, and bad enough order, if they get the wash off the shelf, mm-hmm. wash it with a brush, like lay, lay it down, wash it with a brush, uh, hose it down, leave it dry off, there's a paint now available that will cover any deck, no matter how bad a condition it's in. All right, okay. So no matter how bad the deck is, it'll cover it. Yes. So that's a new paint that's available with about two years. It's interesting about timber, and I often see, you know, where timber is a feature of a house, for example, uh, and it always looks tatty after a few years. It does, it's normally cedar, and it does, it, it gets that way, but again, the timber that you'd normally see on the outside of a house needs to be oiled mm. and needs to be done regularly. Yeah. So if that's not done regularly, yeah. it's going to look yeah, not not yeah. as good as it did when it went yeah, up, friend. And, and generally it does. What, how much do you, you... You see, the other thing that would worry me about decking is I'd say, oh, that's a great idea. I have to get that. But how much would I use it? How much would you use your, your, your deck day. area? Every day. So um, I live in a, off, on the street. So I come in my front door, into my sitting room, into my kitchen stroke living area, double doors out into my deck. So I use my deck every day. Now, uh, my work... I said this to you many a time before. My de- my work can be very lonely because I kind of always by myself. You know, mm. in work I'm always by myself. Yeah, I'm on sites and I'm meeting tradesmen, but it's always down to me and, you know, answering all the calls and meeting the clients. And if I couldn't get outside every day, friend, mm. it wouldn't suit me. So I go out and I have my decking area and I have um, my flowers and my plants and my little herb garden and my shed and the whole lot and I enjoy being out there so I personally even in the winter time would use my deck every single day but my deck happens to be off my double patio doors okay so it's part of my house but not every I had a deck in my last house I didn't go out there five times a year why because it was, it was at the wrong side of the well, house okay 
Right. And that's important too, where you put the deck, Absolutely, really important. And, and my shed is very near, so I come off out my double doors and my patio or my utility doors to the lift, onto the deck, onto a ramp to go slightly up um, a height, right? I didn't put steps and uh, into my shed. So my shed is very near the house, mm. but I, I planned the whole lot out so it looks really well. The distance is good. I have enough deck that if I'm entertaining or having a barbecue, I have other areas up uh, beside the shed that I can use and I have the shed with a beautiful veranda on it as well. So to me, if you're going to use your deck stroke back door area, it's very important to get it right for what the person wants in the house. Because if you plan it right, you'll use it more. Yes. If you don't plan it, you're not going to use it. You won't, yeah. Are you into the heaters, the deck yes, heaters? Yes, I oh, have okay. them too. Yeah. Right. Gas? Uh, electric. Electric, okay. Yeah. Effective? Very. Okay. So... I have two on the wall and I have one on a stand that's inside that comes out anytime I want. And you see, this is my third deck. So I learned from the first one, I learned from the second one, and now I have the third one right. So it took 20 odd years to get it right, friend. So right. I'm not si- si- sitting here saying, oh, I know it all and the whole lot. It took three houses to get the deck right. Right, but all the more reason why people should ask your advice on this. Breed was on to us to say, uh, Fran, really enjoying the item, just regarding how dangerous uh, decking can be. My friend, who was a teacher, broke her leg after slipping on a deck in uh, January. So, yeah. it, it, you know, you have to be careful, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I have. Um, I have a rug rolled up. It's an outside one that you can use and you can throw in the washing machine as well, actually, a great brand. Mm. And if I was going out in the frost to the shed, I'd throw that down when I go out so I know that I can't slip there. Okay, right. But the timber is relatively okay. Yes, it is. Yeah. My timber is relatively okay. It's much, it's, I don't, it doesn't get frosty like the composite. Okay. If people want to talk to you and get some advice from you, Karen, how how can they do that? My mobile is 086606. Nine zero zero nine, and I have um, www.interiorconcepts.ie. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and if anybody would like any help from what we spoke about today, if you send me a text, I'll reply to the text, no problem. All right, always good to see you, Karen. Thank thanks, you, thanks very much indeed, Karen Prendergast of Interior Concepts. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie your meal, good Pat. Uh, welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Our text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. We're always delighted to hear from you. Right now, it's time for... For every problem, there's a solution. Dear Phil, on Tip Today with Phil Prendergast. And Phil is with me in studio and she assures me she's wearing Valentine's colours. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Fran, and happy Valentine's Day. Uh, thank you very much. You, you, that's red, isn't it? It is red, yeah. See, See how I knew that? I'll tell you now. Are you, are you into Valentine's, do you? Uh, well, do you know what? I think there's a place for 
being nice to people every day if you can, if you love them. And there's yeah. a lot of whole commercialism around this particular day. I suppose it brightens up what, you know, just before we get into the spring and all that. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of fun for a lot of people. It's a lot of heartache for others who have lost loved ones. And, uh, you know, basically it's there's a, a lot of hype. There's a lot of tack, but there's a lot of genuine people who do th- nice things and uh, it's nice to celebrate, I suppose, an occasion and an opportunity. Is, isn't it just? Yeah, we're hearing from some uh, singles today telling me that they hate the day. Uh, I, I can day. understand it yeah. because, and particularly if, if somebody is single and it's not by choice mm. um, or something has happened, mm. um, relationships can be very fraught. And also, even if relationships are over or you just feel that it's not working, mm. and it can be a day where every, the focus is all on the romance and all the rest of it, what it is is an exploitation of people so is that things are bought at an inflated price to prove your love, which you don't need to do at all if you're actually in a very steady, comforted relationship. You don't have to do any of that. Well said indeed. All right. And, I, I, you know, our first letter today is full of love, but it's, it's one of the most unusual letters that we've gotten, I think. It says, Hi, Phil. I'm a woman in my 50s and I'm trying to deal with an overwhelming grief but I've had to keep it to myself because I can't tell anybody. I've lived in my home all my life and inherited when my parents died. Not long after they died, a young couple, the same age as me, moved in next door. I got very friendly with them and we had a great relationship and friendship since day one. Over the years, though, I realised that I had fallen madly in love with my neighbour. He was an amazing man, so kind and funny and incredibly handsome. I would often find excuses just to talk to him. I never told him how I felt because I knew he was happily married and I always accepted that this was an unrequited love. Last year, this man I loved died suddenly after having a heart attack and collapsing at home. We were all devastated. The community loved him, but nobody more than me. I've really been struggling with my grief and I miss him so much. I am happy that I made the decision never to rock the boat and express how I felt about him, but now I'm battling with regret that maybe if I did, he might have felt the same. Now I will never know. The grief feels so heavy for a man I loved deeply, but can never tell. How do I deal with this? Very sad. It's very, very sad indeed. Um, You know, I'll come to the last bit first where she said, I am happy that I made the decision never to rock the boat and express how I felt about him, but I'm battling with regret that maybe if I did he might have felt the same. Mm. He didn't feel the same. Mm. And you know you can really romanticise or you can you can do all sorts of th- thoughts and processes and you can put yourselves into situation and imagine that you would be so happy if you were married to this person and that she loves him. What she needs to do I think in the first instance is actually go and do formal bereavement counselling because to her she has lost someone she loved even though it was neither returned nor was he aware of it. Now, they may have been aware of it, saying, oh, here she is. Mm. It it does sound as if she didn't have a partner herself, that Mm. she's Mm. a single, has lived in the parents' home, that she inherited. So it could have been that it was a very safe way to be in love with somebody without any of the accoutrements that go Mm. with that. Mm. Um, But I do think that in the first instance, she needs bereavement counselling, but perhaps she might need more than just bereavement counselling. She might need to go to a psychologist for a while to analyse how it is that she never went out to try and meet someone that she could love that was available and not married to somebody else um, or that she couldn't express to anybody else how she felt. Um, 
being incredibly saddened by the loss of somebody is a very sad mm. thing. But her grief is very real. Is her what grief, you're oh yeah, yeah, it's absolutely yeah. real. But the situation that she has, you know, built mm. up around it, was not ever real. She was not in a relationship with him. Mm. But her devastation is real, and so is his wife's. I'm sure. Mm. And they probably knew that she she might have felt something for him. It's great that she never interfered with that relationship um, or even caused a friction within the relationship. But, you know, to her, she's had this huge loss. And because she's so regretful now, her grief feels so heavy for a man I loved deeply but can never tell. No, she can't tell him because now he is not here. And also because he was not hers when he was alive. So she's she's kind of built up a fantasy about her love for a man she didn't really know. She knew him as a neighbour. Mm-hmm. I you you know, so it, there's there's probably more to this than meets the eyes. She probably has regret about her life moving on and never having had that relationship mm-hmm. that she could have I herself. Suppose. And it was it was easy to see somebody that appears perfect. Um, you know, and and she envied that and then she she thought she loved him and feels that she absolutely loved this man. But he has passed away. She does need to go and have some bereavement counselling, but she also probably needs to have some more in-depth, maybe a meeting with a psychologist or something and having... I couldn't help but think when I read this, Phil, um, this may be common, you know, that people would have love in their heart for somebody and they would they would never know you know yeah but what's wrong with that either if she was able to keep it under wraps yeah. so what was wrong with that it was probably the best thing in this instance because can you imagine telling the man the man being utterly appalled and thinking my neighbor next door is oh god and, you know so it's know. not a, it's not um it's not a comfortable disclosure for somebody to have to say that. Or it's not even comfortable for this woman who who knows that, you know, she loved mm. this man and is, she can't, there's no point in regret because she can't change either the fact that he was married and very happily married to this woman next door. Yes. And she can change the fact that the man collapsed and died very sadly of a heart attack, leaving the whole community, no mind to see his wife and family, reeling. With yeah. shock, so she does need to go and kind of get her head straight, and she needs to be able to put the imagined into the box of real, and then the box of real into the box of reality, and then the box of reality that means you deal with grief and loss, and she her loss is much greater probably because she can't really express it. Mm, of course, yeah, but I can't help but feel for. I mean, she must have seen. Himself and his wife go out for occasions and, you know, celebrate this yeah, and yeah. celebrate that and, you know, and she's there just holding a torch but it, for him. It's, but it's like, you know, you're you're in a picture but you're on the sidelines looking yeah. in and you know what you're looking in at is never, it might never be what it seems. Mm, of and, course. You yeah, know, I yeah. mean, you don't know what people's relationships are like. But, you know, it's it, this is very sad. I'm feeling very sad, particularly on today. And I don't think that we knew, we were thinking about this being today, mm, the date, mm. um, when this question would come up. But, you know, it is sad. She does need to talk to somebody and does need to get herself a little bit um, straightened out in, ter- right. in terms of dealing with loss. Letter number two. Dear Phil, I live on a street and I get on really well with my neighbours. That was until a couple moved in down the road. They're a young couple with a young child and a big dog. 
They wouldn't be the friendliest couple, but I would always exchange pleasantries with them when I see them. My problem is that when they walk the dog, you know what's going down, they always let him poo on the pavement and they never pick it up. It drives me mad. I know it's them because it never happened until they moved in. And as well as that, one day I went to a neighbour to call in. The pavement was clear when I left. Uh, uh, but when I got home, there was a big poo right outside of my gate and I had passed them uh, with the dog on the way home. Because I have never actually caught them in the act, well, the dog in the act, I'm not sure whether or not I should approach them. I've also thought of bagging the poo and leaving it on their wall. Wondering what is the best way of dealing with this without it blowing up into a big row. Well, the, f- the first thing, she's never actually seen this dog making the poo outside her gate or on her path. Or he might be the culprit, is what he, you're saying. He might not be the owner of the poo. Um, so, no, I appreciate this. Is, look, it's it's awful if people don't pick up after their dog. And it's not as if the, the council hasn't made efforts to provide bags and, you know, receptacles for the poo bag. Um, or there's not nothing to stop people from tying the poo bag to the dog's collar and let him carry it home himself. <laughs> <laughs> but she hasn't actually seen this dog doing it. So she, the last thing she should do is leave dog poo on these people's doorstep. She, they're neighbours. And, right. you know, she needs to catch the dog in the act and then say guys you really need to pick up after your dog Mm. and you know take it further I mean you report them to the dog warden if if they're not going to comply but I don't think you can make an assumption because neighbours have moved in and that they're they're not very friendly Uh, you know that that should be an opportunity well it's not only that they're unfriendly but their dog is coming now and making all the poos I'm sure this is not the only dog in the neighbourhood. Now, I'm not sticking up for the dog here. <laughs> As somebody who has two dogs, three dogs actually, but two of them that are inside. I hope your neighbours aren't going to, to call no, in. Well, I mean, you know, they, they, uh, any, we, we would be very scrupulous about picking up after yeah. our dog because yeah. it's not nice to walk into dog poop. That's, that's and, for sure. you know, if you're ever on a, a what, what is a very popular walk with, uh, where I live, you're, you're going to find lots of people with dogs and most people are very, very obliging in terms of picking up mm. um, after their dogs. So I do think, um, you know, the whole tone of the letter is, you know, the couple that moved in down the road, a young couple, a young child and a big dog, and they wouldn't be the friendliest. Is it because they've come to the neighbourhood? And is this because, you know, it's kind of upset this... Get on, you know, getting on really well with the neighbours right. prior to these people, and is it suddenly that there's a younger set coming in, and all that means it could be a whole lot more than just the dog poo. But I mean, if she sees the dog actually making a poo outside her gate, then she should go out and say, "Guys, I really need you to come and pick that up. Right. I really need you to deal with this because otherwise I'm going to and, do this." And if she saw the dog doing his business, you you would be that upfront, would you? Oh, you, you have yeah. to be, fan. Yeah. I mean, if there is, and I mean, if this never happened before, so it may, you know, this mm. might be, it, mm. it may well be the dog, but she does need to see the dog doing his business right. on in her gate or in her, her pavement Bef- or whatever. Before she but she can't the make the, yeah. she, no, she can't make the assumption. She said, I know it's them because it never happened until they moved in. And one day I went to a neighbour and the pavement was clear when I left there was a big poo outside my gate and I'd pass them out with the dog on the way home. So she made, she's connecting all the dots here and making making the dogs, that, okay. that poo being belonged to that dog. And, you know, unless she has the DNA, she's not going to get away <laughs> with that. So look at, 
what's the best way of dealing with without it blowing up into a row? She needs to go and maybe be, be a bit more scrupulous. See, is there are there other people walking around with dogs? Okay. Um, and I know there's big dogs make big poos and it can be an awful mess and it's very unpleasant. Poo isn't pleasant anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, she needs to make sure and be very, very careful because right. there's a long life to be lived in an area well, that's like, you have to be very careful about do. neighbours, you don't do. you? You, know? you do. All right, our third and final letter. Dear Phil, my son is in his 30s and he has Down syndrome. He lives a relatively independent life. He has a part-time job and he goes out socialising, but he still lives at home and we would all be very protective of him. He has days out uh, with a local group of people with special needs and really enjoys these days. After one of these occasions, he came home to tell me that he had a girlfriend I thought he was missing and we had a bit of a laugh and a chat, but it continued and he continued to talk about this girl, how they were texting each other and they'd meet up for a drink or go to a movie. He now seems to have gotten very serious about her and wants to bring her home to meet us all. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I know this girl also has special needs, so she would understand his limitations. But at the same time, I never considered that he would be in the position that he would be in a real relationship with a woman. I'm worried that he might not have the maturity to deal with a romantic relationship and what uh, would happen if it ends in heartbreak. Also, what if he is rushing ahead and this girl doesn't have romance in her head at all? I'm not sure how to handle it without sounding bad. Of course, I want him to have all the same life experiences that everybody else has, but I worry about him so much. What should I do? Now, this is a coincidence because I was looking at Nationwide last night uh, about a, a Down syndrome couple who are getting on brilliantly and they've been together for and, eight years. And that's the whole thing. There mm. are people that have all sorts of intellectual disabilities and limitations, people with Down syndromes who have long and happy relationships with people. Um, look, consent would be an issue there, but that would be more into the whole physical side and, mm. and all of that and the whatever kind of special needs the girl might have. But this mum is worrying about nothing. I mean... Let her bring the girl home and and, um, see how he is with her. Mm. This is making him happy. He Mm. doesn't appear to be rushing into anything. He seems to be a well-adjusted living and working in an environment that he can meet other people that may also have special needs. And I don't know the nature of her Mm. special needs. But, like, just let this be. And it makes him happy. And yet any relationship that doesn't work out or if they have mismatched... Uh, ideas about what the future might hold whereas the girl is just very like in the moment and your man is is thinking ahead I don't think he is I think he's just enjoying this for what it is Mm. and he's perfectly entitled to do so there's a whole um, raft of what would be a violation say in terms of a relationship when people have special needs that just sometimes you need to be very clear about what is consent and how do you you know that it's not coercive and it's not you know forcing yourself to do something somebody doesn't want to happen Mm. to them but for the most case this seems to be a lovely developing relationship between two people and Mm. she should stop rushing it along stop worrying about it and uh, if it is to progress, she can then talk about the next level or the next stage of that relationship. And I'm sure this girl has parents. Have a chat with them. See how they feel about it. If this couple seem happy together, let them be happy together. They are 
perfectly entitled to it. But of course, like any parent uh, of any child, they'd worry about heartbreak for them or Yeah, but you know what, Fran? People survive heartbreak all the time. And people survive loss and incredible losses. And people survive getting over serious illnesses and people not getting over serious illnesses. That's in everybody's right. life and it is part and parcel of the lived experience. It's no less... The, the heartbreak for somebody that has a condition like Down syndrome is no less the heartbreak than you or I would feel if mm. something happened. Mm. So it's just managing that and not having too many expectations, not flying ahead and saying, oh, supposing this happens, supposing that happens. There has to be there has to be clear consent. There's I did a, the foundation programme in sexual health at one time and there's a whole area in relation to people that may have special needs or that they have particular conditions and it's really really very good and you know I think maybe if you got somebody from that course to come it would give a lot of people a lot of insight into people with disabilities and what their needs may be and how those needs are met. Very good. And in fairness, a great credit due to the parenting here because, you know, he sounds, as you say, well, well adjusted, adjusted, well adapted, and, and he's happy. independent. Exactly. Yeah. And also has met a girl and came home and told her, and he's excited. Yeah. But so was any person. So he's as normal as the rest of yeah. us. He has trisomy 21, which is an extra wiggle on, on the 21st chromosome. Doesn't yes. make him any different. Any, yeah. In fact, they're, they're, and this again, at the risk of sounding patronising, I really don't wish to do it, but they can be very, very loving individuals. Mm. Very loving. And they are entitled to a life like anybody else. Very good indeed. Phil, it's always a pleasure. Thanks very much indeed. And don't forget, if you have an issue that you'd like Phil to talk about, it's very simple all you have to do is uh, email us and that's tip today at tipfm.com Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 1800 the text and WhatsApp is 083 as ever. We're delighted uh, to hear from you. Now, United States warplane has shot down a flying object near the Canadian border and uh, the latest of three mysterious devices spotted since military radar settings were cranked up in the wake of the downing of a suspected Chinese spy balloon. But what's going on? I'm delighted to be joined by Gordon Rochford from the Conspiracy Guys podcast. Gordon, good morning to you. Morning, Brian. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. We're all fascinated by this. What do you think is going on, Gordon? Well, I mean, if I said it was a ginormous distraction piece to uh, have everybody looking away from what's really going on, would I be a conspiracy theorist? Quite possibly. <laughs> you know, um, if uh, have you ever heard of UFOs being like spoken about on the news before? It's a, it's a change for humanity, I think. When the CIA and the FBI and the mainstream media are now like willfully talking about UFOs after denying them for seventy years, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and and the, the colonel in charge, I, his name escapes me for the moment, but I mean, he didn't deny it when he when it was put to him. Is there a possibility this could be alien life or something? He he said, "Well, you know, we haven't sort of sorted it out yet," uh, which I thought was rather strange. 
Well, you have to look at how this has all come about. A lot of people have been kind of saying, like, oh, the Chinese spy balloons. So what China and Russia do is they'll send uh, reconnaissance aircraft over the Arctic Circle, so over the top, uh, and it comes down through Canada and then down into America rather than sending them around a long way. And when the Chinese spy balloon was kind of identified by the uh, American military industrial complex, what they did was, or what the reports say, they, they kind of turned up the sensitivity on airborne items. And it now shows a bunch of other stuff that's like, hey, that's quite suspicious, since <laughs> they turned up the, turned up the uh, um, sensitivity. So they had to go out and shoot down these things. Now, for him to deny that it's like not alien life, I think it's more of a, we can't say what it is, so you'll make up your mind about what it is. Um, again, a distraction piece. Mm. It's possibly Chinese material. It's possibly Russian material. It could be their own test subjects. It could be private uh, aircraft. Yeah, it's interesting. Away from what's actually happening. Yeah, and and when you say to divert us from what is actually happening, what what do you mean when you say that, Gordon? Well, we, we have this episode, and it's a long one, but it's very kind of you know poignant, especially now. Called Project Bluebeam. Mm, yeah. So those conspiracy guys is the podcast name. You can find it on your podcast apps. And uh, Project Bluebeam was kind of a, the inception of it was from um, the UFO or MUFOCon, like UFO conspiracy heads in the early 90s. And one of them was called Serge Manast, who's a Canadian journalist. And he basically collated all this information uh, into what's called Project Bluebeam. Now, you think that it might be kind of bullshit. Because it's aliens invading mm. Earth or whatever, yeah, yeah. but we all thought that like mind control experiments and you know uh, uh, p- uh, portals into parallel dimensions was part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm, yeah. and they're doing stuff in CERN in Switzerland that'll blow your head off, you know. So he said basically, Project Bluebeam is a an American intelligence government operation to stage a fake alien event or invasion or something like that in order to make everybody uh, give up their security or give up their freedom in exchange for security out of fear and to kind of envelop the world in a a one-world government or a new world order, which is the the flavour of the And and where did Serge get this this intelligence from? Uh, Some people say that he could have pulled it out of his iron, to be honest. (laughs) Um, That's that's the way with this kind of stuff. The veracity of this information, you kind of have to be able to shine your bullshit meter over it and judge for yourself. It was almost like, there's a lot of stuff talked about in the underground circles, the UFO circles, and he was part of that group. Now, to look at it directly, it might seem a little bit suspicious. But when you look at everything all around the actual target. Uh, for example, Serge Manast died very soon after releasing this material. Um, we, even now in the last few months, uh, and in the middle of uh, uh, the COVID lockdown, the CIA announced, yeah, oh, 100%, we've had UFOs in the sky for 70 years, and for 70 years we've been lying to you and telling you that there was none. Yeah, <laughs> and now we're yeah. saying, yeah, no, we actually lied to you the whole time, and there was totally UFOs, and uh, so what are you going to do about it? Anyway, UFOs now, <laughs> you know. It's incredible, so like, yeah. But you'd wonder what else they lied about, Gordon. Oh, sure. Look at what their mouth is moving. They're probably lying, Fran. That's yeah. the crack, you know. Um, it, and and the, the way that we, the way that I look at this Project Bluebeam is it's um, it's making you look away from what's actually happening. So mm-hmm. they want to distract you with something that gets to the core of humanity. So uh, he talked about um, 
there's there'll be like UFOs spotted in the sky, and then the next thing they'll find some, you know, debris that, that fell from the sky, and it'll have some, like weird religious connotations or some mysterious thing. And then the next thing, we've got contact from intelligent alien life. And then the next thing is uh, weather events and earthquakes and stuff. So we're seeing stuff in Turkey and Syria at the moment. We're seeing like floods in Australia. And uh, we have another episode on this thing called HARP, which is the High Frequency Active Aurora Research Program. Yes. Which basically is a giant magnet that they're able to shine, or electromagnet that they're able to shine anywhere on the planet and be able to, uh, I guess, elicit weather events. But, but that, that is real. That's not a conspiracy, Gordon. That yeah. is real, isn't it? Totally real thing. Yeah. It's totally real. They have like dozens of stations all over the globe. There's ones in like Norway and Canada and Australia and stuff like that and they're big ginormous white kind of dodecahedron balls and they uh, magnetically interact with the ionosphere which is like the mag- the natural magnetic kind of netting around our planet and uh, they're able to like shoot magnets up at the ionosphere and kind of deflect them down uh, like shooting a pool ball you know bouncing it off yes. the cushion yeah. and um, we had loads of those events like if you look back if, if the listeners want to look back at uh, to all those earthquakes and the, the, the volcanoes that were happening in the Canaries yes of course yes. a little while ago yeah. so if you look back at the seismic graphs on that right you look at where the little uh, the little you know the way you get the epicenter and then there's like other kind of subsidiary shock wave yes. areas in an earthquake you go back and look at that and it's an exact hexagonal grid if you go, you can search it online and say like yeah. the grid of the Canary earthquakes, and it looks like someone had like I don't know a strainer or, or some kind of a a, a laser shining at it, going bump bump bump. They're all equidistant from each other, like very strange patterns. Um, we saw something in Turkey in the sky. It looked like, to be honest, a ginormous cat's arse. Uh, it was just a big purple swirling cloud. Wow. It was kind of puckered in the middle, and then minutes after that, there was like earthquakes in Turkey. Um, we saw flashes of lightning. There was like rolling lightning storms and stuff like that and then the earthquake came I mean it does all sound a bit mental and do you know the thing that struck me about the earthquake in in, in Turkey and uh, maybe you know more about this than I do Um, why couldn't they predict that surely like is there not some sort of way of predicting what's going to happen with that yeah well they have like these um, geological seismographs and they have you know uh, predictions based on the time between earthquakes in areas that are kind of called hot zones on uh, tectonic fault lines. So, like, they know that uh, Turkey, Syria, that kind of Persian area uh, does suffer from earthquakes now and again. Like, southern India has, like, high alert stuff. But uh, we think that they would be able to predict something so devastating. Um, I mean, there's earthquakes happening with no warning over the last five or six years. And the people who kind of believe in harp being used as a weapon... Um, they call it a directed energy weapon or a DEW. Yes. Uh, I know I, I know from the California fires, if you watched, there's a conspiracy of those. Remember a couple of years ago when poor Miley Cyrus lost her I house? Do. yeah. Poor Miley. Poor um, Miley, yeah. She lost, she, <laughs> she, and she broke up with Chris over it, ruined oh, her marriage. Oh, here. Um, <laughs> so they burnt, they burnt the house down. But if you look at the, the aerial photographs, the houses are all burnt down, but there's like green shrubbery all around the houses that didn't get damaged by this like devastating sweeping fire and you're like oh, I don't know and now all that land has uh, gone back to the landowners so the way the California law is the people who own the houses own the houses but the landowners own the land you can't buy the land on top of your house or whatever my god and, so, and the, the the final aspect of the project Blue Beam um, that, that big show that giant uh, 
happening in the sky. Can you tell us about that, Gordon? This is the the step too far for many. Uh, yeah. That basically, in order to get everybody under the wing of this new world order, yes. you know yourself, Brandy. You know the the the, uh, the Bilderberg meetings and all that stuff. You know, so yeah. you've been there yourself. You know, the uh, they they uh, they want this big show. So basically, they have holographic technology that they're able to shoot like a big giant uh, Jesus Christ in the sky. Uh, depending on where you live. So if you're, you know, in Asia, it could be a Buddha or a or Vishnu or it could even be Muhammad if you're allowed to you're, <laughs> you're allowed to have a, re- a visual representation of him, you know. And um, he speaks to the people through, uh, I guess, telepathy, you could call it, some kind of uh, a voice inside your mind. Um, now, you think that that's kind of bullshit sounding. Yeah. That they've got a big giant God in the sky that's like, I'm God and you'll all, you know, Make sure you listen to Leo now. You <laughs> like uh, sounds kind of bullshitty, but all the technology to make that happen is already here. There's like uh, inter intracranial communication devices where they're shining um, uh, like sound waves, and it conducts with the bones in your jaw and your skull, so that you actually be able to hear. Like Superman in the movies when Lois was like, "Help me, Superman! Help me!" and was able to hear her from ages away. Like that technology is available now. Right? Oh my god! There's holograms that you can shine, and and it could be like 800 feet high. There's a really good video of um, a whale uh, kind of swimming in the sky around Madison Square Gardens, and it's a hologram, like you know, and it looks really real. Uh, it's incredible, isn't it? And, and, and who is supposed to be behind this? Is there is this Illuminati or right. is this? Uh... Well, I mean, the Illuminati is a whole different thing. There's an episode on that as well. I think just educated men uh, trying to make the world better and they've been kind of usurped and told to be like a dark cabal that eats children and they're lizards or whatever. There's a lot of nuance around that kind of topic, but basically the people in power want to stay in power. People make money, want to keep making money and, and live in a life they've become accustomed to and, and more than anything else, be able to hand off the reins of power to their families yes. uh, and their kids as, as they come up, you know. All of these families have been going for two, three, even 400 years. You're talking about like um, Italian families that, that moved to uh, America, that came from like Medici times, uh, that moved to America and changed their name and they're kind of still in, in charge, you know. Mm. Um, but when you're talking about like a new world order, it basically means like to be able to have elements of, say, the, the economic market, uh, elements of the population control where m- movement of, of migrants as well as, like, the amount of population in certain areas can be controlled. Uh, they want to just have a handle on all of that stuff so nothing gets out of hand or there's no country that's like, hey, we're, we're not into this anymore and in 20 years, the next generation completely, uh, I guess, disavow organised government and, like, I don't know, do a terrible thing like vote Sinn Féin or something <laughs> like that. The whole apple cart is thrown <laughs> over and... Um, yeah. There is there is a lot of stuff around going on in the world, and this UFO thing seems like a distraction to me, because there's a list as long as your arm of really shitty things that are happening. Uh, one one weird thing that happened exactly the same time as these UFOs, I'll be quick with this, is that there's about uh, four trains carrying really uh, volatile chemicals. Oh, I'm delighted you're going to talk to us about this because I only heard about this this morning. This is incredible oh. stuff. Why? Why don't we? Bonkers. Why doesn't the whole world know about this? In fact, you, because because t- we're all looking at UFOs, yeah. friends. We're all yeah. looking at UFOs. 
they're distracting us from that. Basically, the worst one of them, and they're, they're calling it like the, the Midwestern Chernobyl, like it hasn't even shown the effects of the fallout of this yet, right? Yeah. There was, um, geez, I can't remember the name, it was like uh, Divinyl Polyplace poly or something like that is the name, the name of the chemical. Anyway, it's, uh, when it mixes with water, it turns into uh, hydrochloric sulfuric acid. So basically like the stuff that... Uh, they pour on RoboCop at the end of the movie. Right. Melt so it's poison, off, right? poison, basically. Yeah. Poison, yeah. yeah. Like, it was super toxic, right? Yeah. And then they had a whole train, and it, it crashed off the tracks, and it was kind of leaking the stuff. And the powers that be came along and said, okay, well, how do we get rid of it? Get a get a bag of sawdust. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not enough. Quick. Uh, so they, they decided to try and blow it up, try to incinerate it. But when they burnt it, they didn't know that the heat reacted with the chemical incorrectly. And it all went up into the atmosphere, and it's a giant black cloud that can now be seen from space, similar to the uh, the fallout from when Chernobyl was burning for for weeks and weeks and months. And that black cloud has brought chemicals all over. Uh, the name of the place is uh, in Ohio. Uh, just begins with P. Sorry, Fran. No, I can't no, 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 no um, problem. Yeah. But town, the town that says something like those weird town names like Pleasantville or something like that. <laughs> yes. pa- Paradise, Paradise, Ohio. And um, there's people going out making TikToks saying, hey, they told us that this chemical is totally fine, but uh, I have two dogs out running out the back of the house and uh, they're just brown bread. They're dead. I had I had a dozen chickens in the thing and they all just went to sleep and then woke up. Like there's something in the air now in that place in Ohio. And That's Gordon, like why, is, why isn't that on the front of all our newspapers and leading news stories? And because it's a giant mistake that they don't want anyone to know about. These mistakes happen all the time, Fran. Yeah, and, um, and this isn't people making. Like, this is genuine. This is absolutely genuine. This what happened. It's one hundred percent true. And and since that, since the start of January, there's been six. Uh, it can only be considered giant rail crash incidents of, of huge uh, like tanker trains that are carrying like super volatile chemicals that have crashed for one reason or another and the chemicals have all got spilled and uh, there's one in Dallas, Texas there's one in North Carolina that's very very serious there's one in uh, in Ohio that's like probably uh, like I said an American Chernobyl and the conspiracy people are looking at that going like okay what do they need something super salacious on the news so that, like, all the people who are on TikTok are going to make loads of UFO videos mm. to try and get clouds. All the people on the news are going to talk about it because it's an easy, it's an easy target. Mm. And it means that they're flooding, it's called flooding the feed. So they flood the feed with bullshit stories so that people aren't talking about what's actually going on. Now, the fallout from this means, you know, uh, cancer clusters and all sorts of, like, uh, like mad diseases. Mm. Uh, there's some of rain. As soon as that stuff is on any part of America that's going to have sulfuric acid in it. Like, they don't know with a false narrative, you know. We're just losing you just uh, lately, just a oh, little bit, a bit on that. Sorry. But uh, it, it's fascinating. Yeah, you're shutting me up, Frank. That's, <laughs> that's what it is. Um, you have a podcast on that as well, Gordon, do you? I have a podcast on, uh, you probably get a bit of information, say, on the Monsanto episode. Right. Monsanto is an agricultural company. And uh, the predatory practices and behaviours um, are basically right. unknown. Right, and that's under those conspiracy guys. It's available on all the podcast platforms. Yes, guess, is those it? Yeah. conspiracy guys, you can check out Monsanto, Project Blue Beam, Harp, H-A-A-R-P, 
or if you just want to go all in, uh, just hit up the Illuminati episode and follow us from there. <laughs> <laughs> Very good indeed. And just before I let you go, Gordon, can I ask yes, you about sir. Jeffrey Jeffrey Epstein's list? Because were we not supposed to have that list of his pals who were on the island by now? Well, there's been like a leak of that list. So we have names that you wouldn't want to be on the list, you know. Your Beyonce's, your Tom Hanks's, like the stuff people are talking about online. The supposition would be if they're on the list that they've done something wrong. We can't say that for sure or for yeah. true. Um, but the, the court documents, which number 2,280 pages from Ghislaine Maxwell's trial have been released. And there's descriptions of people that are very, very famous from the witnesses that were called to that trial that did very bad things to to very young girls. And it's a real thing. And nobody's talking about that either. And that's probably why we're talking about UFOs in the sky. You could pick a half dozen things that we're not supposed to be talking about and we're talking about bullshit alien spacecraft and yeah. this kind of stuff. So it's, it's kind of conspiracy is a new rock and roll at the moment. It's, it's, and, it's, um, yeah, it's very worrying. I, I know since I was a young dad, I keep hearing the thing and my grandmother used to say, the world has gone mad. But really, the world is gone mad, isn't it? To be honest, it's always been mad. <laughs> we, have, we, have, we have a better way of uh, communicating than through, through the internet, through mobile phones and stuff. We were just mad in private before. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. I, uh, if anybody else wants to see me talking about conspiracy theories, I'm on uh, Eating with the Enemy on Birds Media next Sunday. Oh, uh, and the finale fun. episode for that season. Oh, and, uh, very good. And who are you eating with, or do you know? Well, I do know, uh, but it's, uh, it's, oh, it's a, a secret, top secret. Oh. And it's going to be it's, fa- it's a fascinating uh, conversation. So very good. Anyway, I'm looking there. forward to that, Gordon. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for your time this Hi, morning. Friend. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye bye to you now, Gordon uh, Rochford there of uh, those conspiracy guys podcast, uh, hugely popular podcast indeed, and you can see why. Uh, we'll take a break. Back in a moment. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. All right, Jim, yeah, I wondered about that. Jim was just on to me by WhatsApp. I won't read out your, your comment if you don't mind, Jim, but yeah, I wondered about that uh, as well, and thank you. 83 311 um, We've been on the journey with the Tipperary country singer Molly O'Connell as she competes on TG Carr's uh, hit series Lower Tira. The semi-final airs tonight, and Molly is being met Entered by Louise Barsi, and it's good to talk to her again. Molly, good morning to you. Good to talk to you, friend. Tommy Gahanawa Erfad, August Tusa. Oh, Tommy, go on, what are you here now at Stugin at in Spiegel County, Galway. How is everybody listening today? I hope they're all well. Uh, everybody's very, very well indeed. And happy Valentine's Day to you as well, Molly. And thank you, and happy Valentine's Day to you and all your listeners as well. So tell me about it. You're already in situ, are you? We are, we're down here now in the studio, so I'm going in for 12 o'clock, so we'll do the rehearsals and then the dress rehearsal later on. So it's a busy day, but it's a great fun day with every all the contestants and all the team around us as well. Right, great. Can we look back to last Tuesday, first of all? Were you delighted with yourself? I was, friend. I was so delighted with the support. You could feel the love and the phone was hopping and I was just delighted to get through to the semi-final. It was such a great feeling and thanks to all the listeners as well that listened and that voted for me last Tuesday. Yeah, you got a a terrific amount of support, didn't you? I 
did, I did. And as I said, my phone from the start of the day, and it still is today. Now again, it's 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 happening again with good wishes and good luck on Facebook. And you just you be it's it's overwhelming, but it's so positive, and it's amazing how people just support you in your we call it time of need that you need to get them behind you, and they really do. Support. Of course. Now you'll need their support again tonight, Molly. I do, friends. So I'm here as well. Thank you, friend, for having me on again. Just to just make it fresh in people's minds tonight. Mm. That again at half nine, TJ Cahar, the show will start, and there's five of us tonight again competing. And I believe after the five of us have sang, we're singing two songs tonight: one Irish and one English. Mm-hmm. And then after that, then I think the, the votes will the live line will open then for voting. Right. Very good. Now, if you didn't vote in the past, you can still vote tonight. You can still download your app, can't you? You can. So a lot of people have been messaging me that hadn't voted last week. Yeah. So I would say if they can today at all have the app downloaded prior to the to the show starting, because they ask you for a couple of details and you could probably get probably a bit flustered if you're trying to get it all done. So if they can at all go in and pop in Glortira and it's just G L O R T I R E again and it should come up and just put in your email. It asks you a few little details. Five free votes are there. You can use them. And as I said to people, anyone that used their five free votes last week on me, I'm very grateful. But there is two votes as well. I think the lowest price, Fran, is one euro and ten cents or okay. nine cents. I so think. You, you can buy votes as well as the five free votes. You can. Yeah, there's lots of votes right, right. up to 50. But look, I'd be happy even if the two votes for a euro. Um, it's not a lot, thankfully. I suppose they just need that to, for the show to, Very to good. run. And, know, and yeah. if you download your app, you're all prepared. Don't vote until you're instructed to, Molly, because otherwise yes. it, it won't be counted. Isn't that the That's way it, it is? It won't yeah. be counted, I don't think, until the show goes live. And, you know, Aoife will tell you, the presenter, if you're watching tonight, um, that you can vote now. And it lasts then for, I think, maybe half an hour or so, and then it closes there before the results. So. Right. So yeah. five, five of you tonight, how many will go forward to the final then? So we've three going through to the final and two going home tonight, friends. So I'd love to get over the line tonight and get to the final next week. So really hope people will. And no doubt they will in Tipperary and around get behind tonight right. as well. And how are the nerves, Molly? Not so bad, friends. Yeah. Today, you know, as I said, myself and Tex Egan are after travelling down from... Um, He's Limerick and I'm Tim, mm. so we just came down together. So the two of us are after singing the whole way down. To oh, the very, good. very good, yeah. <laughs> in the van. So the nerves aren't too bad. It's only when you go in then, as you know yourself, when the cameras come on again, it's that it's added pressure. But you know what? I'm just going to go up and enjoy myself tonight and go out and sing with a maze and band again tonight. Yeah, um, and, 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 and that's the impression I get from you, Molly. You've enjoyed the whole journey. Yes, I have. Yeah. Sure, look, friend, it's it's a huge opportunity, um, for Louise to ask me on the show and, and forever grateful to her, to to see how all this goes. You know, you can go up and sing on a stage, yeah. and you know, this is another experience, as we call it, to face the cameras and face all the public and get their their views on your voice and your personality and how you. You know, go on stage. I got loads of lovely comments from everybody. Yeah, of course you did. Sure, why? Why wouldn't you? Indeed. So it's going to be. Have you? Have you? Fa- will you have family with you tonight as well? So tonight, yeah, there's a car. I think as far as I know, there's a car or two coming down because right. um, a lot of the schools are off. I have sisters that are teachers and things like that, so yeah. they're off this week. So they're all coming down, um, and they'll probably go to the coast hotel and pop over to us. Then I think they have to be around half eight. So, and um, my mum would love to be here, but she won't. She'd be sitting beside the fire with another sister of mine, and she's supporting me from there. So, of course, of course, yeah. she will indeed. So it's half past nine, isn't it, Molly? It's half nine tonight. Yeah, yeah half okay. nine. And if anyone wants to come to the studio 
tonight or anything, you just could message us and let us know because the, the public is allowed in. Okay. You know, right, right. Um, and we just let the producer know here of how many people are going, you know. So. Right. Wouldn't that yeah. be nice uh, as well? Yeah, to come well, down and support. Molly, we wish you the very, very best indeed tonight. So we're urging people to download the app and uh, support yeah. Molly tonight from uh, half past nine because it'll be great if you get to the final, Molly. Oh, it would be super fun. And again, can I thank you as well for following me on this Glorteer journey and having me on your show for me to remind people of a Tuesday to vote. I really appreciate Not your at time, friend, as well. And thanks for having me. Well, we're delighted to do so. You're a great performer, Molly, and we wish you the very best. Thanks, thanks, Molly. And can I just say hello to my mum as well? Of course you can. Carmen and Patrick and my kids and all are just listening in there this morning wishing me luck and happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there as well. All right, Molly, look after yourself. Bye-bye to you now. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. That's a temporary country music singer, uh, Molly O'Connell, competing in uh, TJ Carr's uh, hit series, Lower Tier. Tonight, the semi-finals, I know you will uh, do your very, very best where that app is concerned and where votes for Molly is concerned. Now today, as we've been saying for the last few hours, uh, Valentine's Day, but of course there are downsides to romance as well. Let's speak to uh, Tom O'Dwyer, who's Crime Prevention Officer uh, with the Guardian Tipperary. Good morning to you, Tom. Good morning, Fran. And uh, good to talk to you today, and happy Valentine's Day, Tom. But as, as I say, <laughs> there, there, there are downsides because, you know, unscrupulous types, they'll they'll try and make the best of this, Tom. Yeah, unfortunately, Fran, yeah, romance fraud... Uh, it's ever increasing and I suppose the data that's in it now we're just asking the members of the public to be vigilant in relation to romance fraud and in case of romance fraud is what happens is the victim they, um, meets somebody online and they think they've met their perfect match but the person they've met is in fact you know a scammer and they're using a fake profile to build the relationship so they slowly then to get the victim's trust uh, with a view then to eventually asking them for money and as far the money we have, I suppose, learned, you know, have been requested for a variety of different pretenses. It's usually to fund travel from a foreign country to come to Ireland to meet the person. It might be to pay medical bills or pay an outstanding debt. Or sometimes now we find it more often that they're being asked to invest in some sort of um, a scheme, you know, um, a business opportunity. Right. And then, of course, the money have been taken. So it's something that's ever increasing. There's been up to nearly two million stolen last year here in Ireland. Um, two, to, two million, up Two wow. million, Fran, yeah. Wow. Nearly six million there since 2019. And that's what's reported to us, Fran. And unfortunately, we believe there's a lot of this stuff going on that isn't reported to us because I suppose the victims are too embarrassed maybe to, um, you know, they feel really stupid, I suppose, yeah. when they have been conned and they're too embarrassed maybe to call us and let us know what's happened. So I suppose the advice is is that if you have, you know, met somebody online and, you know, it's the usual warning signs, if they start asking for money for any reason at all, then that should be, you know, a red flag straight away. Um, it's usually, you know, they'll kind of slowly as well build up the trust and then there's always a reason for looking for money. It's either to pay a medical bill or to purchase flights or visas or mm. some payment to come to visit you, you know. So as what the advice is, you know, trust your instincts, uh, you know, think twice, and if they are at all looking for money, then, you know, that's a red flag. And of course. Just beware, yeah. beware. Now, it's, it's worth pointing out, I suppose, Tom, that these uh, frauds, they're getting more and more sophisticated and more and more believable, I suppose. More and more believable all the time, Fran. And unfortunately, you know, we've had, you know, I suppose, I think the stats are short, about 70% of the victims are female and 30% male. But we've had, you know, instances, you know, where, you know, people have lost up to 
hundred thousand in these scams, like, and they are very sophisticated. And I suppose, you know, that's how mm. they keep going and how they make their money. So, of course, and and certainly victims in Tipperary as well, Tom. Yeah. Yes, Fran. Yeah, we've yeah. had you know Tipperary has its equal share as well of any other county, really. You know, and we've investigated those. We've some of them reported to us, and you know, it can be very difficult to try and work a way back to, you know, try and help the people to get their money back because usually in these cases when the money is gone it's very difficult because usually the scammers are, you know, they're operating from a different jurisdiction and they're using fake profiles so it can be difficult but I would advise the public in all instances to report them to us, let them know they're happening and, you know, we'll do our best to investigate them for them and hopefully, you know, maybe get their for money back. Of course, yeah. It, it's not just romance fraud, but it's it, it's fraud all of the time that you've been telling us about, uh, Tom. Yeah, Ferran, unfortunately, look, it's the real growth area, I suppose, and crime fraud is the thing that's, you know, you know, and it's a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's very sophisticated um, criminal organisations working throughout uh, the world, really, you know, mm. and they're targeting, you know, every country, every jurisdiction. And, you know, they're coming up and there's a new one every week, you know. And unfortunately, it's young and old. It's people from, you know, we've seen them from, you know, 15 to 100, you know, being caught by fraud. So it's everybody. And, you know, people, you know, who you think would possibly know better. But we can all be victim of it because they're, you know, this is their, I suppose, their job, how they're making their money. So they're coming up with very sophisticated scams that are really believable. But I suppose in all instances, if you're asked, you know, if you're talking to somebody online and if anybody starts, you know, or starts requesting your personal details, name, address, you know, any of your bank details in particular or asking you to invest in anything or to, you know, forward money for any reason at all, then that should be the red flag for you. Just stop and think. The main thing is just give yourself a bit of time. Stop, Mm. pause, think about it, you know, and then... Do a bit of due diligence then, you know, make a few causes to see is this person real or not. All right, Tom, we wish you well and thank you for that warning today. Good to talk to you, Tom. Good. Thank Cheers, you. Thank you. Bye bye to you now. Tom O'Dwyer there, crime prevention officer for a Tipperary. Almost time uh, to go. Uh, we're going to leave you with uh, words from Billy Fitzgerald on a romantic note this morning. He said, I bought my wife a fridge for Valentine's. I know she was happy. You should see her face light up when she opened the door. Boom, boom. That's it for me. Thanks to Emma who produced. Ali looks after her content. Stephen is on the way and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Happy Valentine's. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.